0: you tonight and tonight we are uh joined
1: uh-oh <laughs> owen i'm gonna kill him but continue <laughs> Just oh, he that's gets great one and then uh. and then i will pause and go upstairs and kill him so
0: <laughs> oh that's great we're joined by dan from dm exotics um, we're going to be talking, uh, you know, with all the cool species that Dan works with, uh, including scrub pythons uh, and uh, white lip pythons. And hopefully we'll be able to touch on some of the other rare species that Dan works with. Um, I linked up his YouTube uh, page over on um, the Moralia Python Radio Facebook page. It's in the description of the show, uh, Reptile Reality. It's definitely a cool uh, YouTube – it's probably – it's my favorite. Uh, simply because um, he talks about uh, you know species that you don 't normally see, um, mm-hmm. I like his approach um, you know and uh, he he has awesome awesome animals um, and uh, the other the other thing that 's really cool is he does a lot of trips um, to different spots, all these exotic places that we all wish that we could go to to uh, to see uh you know Different reptiles and animals and stuff, and uh, you know, so so we get to live uh, through his uh, YouTube channel, and, and uh, it's pretty cool. So uh, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. And of course, tonight we won't be talking about carpets at all. <laughs> <laughs> we will only be talking scrubs and white lips. Heaven, and, heaven
1: uh, for fucking bid. Morelia bites uh, on know. radio. Talks about Morelia, but well, let's not get into that.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, but, <laughs> uh, I don't know if there's, well, no, there is one thing we have to hit on before we get, uh, Dan on here. It's, uh, the Northwest Carpet it. Fest is this Saturday, yep. this Saturday. And, um, they got some pretty cool donations, uh, uh, from, let me just, uh, get my list here real quick. Uh, let's see who we got. That's seems like $200 is the going, uh, yeah, you know, voucher <laughs> for, for all the different, uh, the people. Um so we have Nick uh mutton from Inland Reptiles. We have myself, we have Owen, uh we have uh Howard Redding from redding Reptile uh Breeders. Uh let's see, who else do we got? Uh Bill Steagle, he's doing two hundred dollars.
1: Um
0: mm-hmm. Ryan Young
1: doing two hundred dollars. Yep. Ryan Young. is doing two hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah.
0: Pretty cool list. Uh uh, you know, uh, all donations, uh, all, all proceeds go to us arc. Um, so, uh, and for any other, um, details that you may need, uh, you can check out the Northwest Carpet Fest Facebook group page. Uh, and you can also check it out at carpetfest.homestead.com. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that, you know, Nick and all those guys will be there. So if you want to go and hang out with them and you're out there on the west coast, up in the northwest, it's gonna be in Seattle. Um, and I'll post it again over on the Facebook page so that uh everybody knows the info. But uh cool, cool. I can't believe it's here already. You know what I mean? That that is right? god damn.
1: It is really so, weird.
0: So uh so- Anything else you need
1: to hit on before we get Dan on? Because there's a lot
0: that we want to talk to Dan. Ah, uh,
1: no, dude. I, I let's let's get this thing rolling before we run out of time.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, it goes quick, man. It goes quick.
2: Mm-hmm. Hey,
0: Dan, welcome back to Morelia Python Radio. Glad to have you. Glad you could come and chat with us. Uh, what's going on?
3: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, thanks, guys. It's been. I had to look it up. It, it was 2012. It was uh, holy it was like, crap. a holy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, just um you know, in the last four years has been real busy with work, real busy with the animals and traveling and trying to knock down projects and and you know the the time obviously it goes by very fast, especially when you're as busy as I am. It just screams on by. Hmm.
1: Well that's good rather than like just kind of snailing by. But Yeah,
3: well I hope I hope when I retire it starts doing that. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> <Any complaint? laughs> Please, <God. laughs> but it looks like
1: your collection has kinda undergone like a big change in the past couple of years um to working with some of the more rarer species than you previously previously were. Can you kind of yeah, give us know, some highlights
3: of what you got going on? Yeah, sure. I think what really the main thing that's happened is I've just brought more of those odd projects to the, to the forefront. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, the, the whole way that the the whole reptile industry is gone, it's, you know, if you didn't work with some of the more popular stuff, you weren't a cool guy and people really didn't want to want to talk to you and, and, and mingle with you so much. So I always, always from day one, I've always had the weird stuff going. It's just that, you know, for so long people didn't appreciate it or they just didn't want to venture out. They didn't want to go into the uncharted territory. They just wanted to stay. You know, I kind of – it's like uh, like trading cards. You know, they just, they just wanted to continue doing their trading card game. And now with all the changes that have taken place with, you know, the changes in the market and everything, now people are starting to not be so afraid to step out and, and go – yeah, you know what, I, I have a pair of Boiga, or I have a pair of this, I have a pair of that, because now it's like everybody seems to be scrambling, not everybody, but a, a, a huge group of, of um, keepers are scrambling to kind of establish themselves in their own little market, and, and, uh, and hopefully it's genuine, and they finally are acting on their, their genuine interest to work with the stuff that they think is really cool you know so hopefully that's what's going on but with me I've always had that weird stuff I've just brought it all to the forefront cuz I you know back when we talked before I didn't have a YouTube channel <clears throat> watching mm-hmm. um a couple of the couple of the other real popular YouTube guys and I was just like you know what I'm tired of it I I want to start highlighting all the rest of the stuff that's out there cuz nobody's doing it and, and there's so many so many keepers especially new hobbyists that They've never seen any of this stuff. They don't even know it exists. You know, it's just like kind of a, a deli cup world for a lot of those people. It's not their fault. It's just the, it's it's what they're exposed to. And so I just thought, fine, h- here I come. And so that's been my goal this entire time is just to just push all this stuff out to the forefront. And, I'm not. you know, I, I'll admit it, I did. I was doing ball pythons and all this other stuff, just trying to fit in and kind of, some I needed something that was going to make me some money and and kind of help help fund all the rest of this stuff. But you know, in the meantime, I'm pouring my heart and soul into all these other projects that most people don't care about.
1: So, so <laughs> I just push it all to the forefront. <laughs> yeah,
3: you know, that's you I, I just brought it out. And,
1: well, yeah, totally fine.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, well.
1: So what, what's uh, what you got cooking? Like, you know, what are you? What are some of the really cool, rare kind of stuff you're pushing to the forefront?
3: Um, well, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but the people that know me, you know, obviously the the giant keeled rat snakes, those patias carnatus, have occupied a pretty big portion of my cage space. Uh, scrub pythons, when when I saw the the real big resurgence in interest in those and, and, and people really starting to, like, really taking a serious interest in, in them, I pushed harder as well, and, um, you know, I started setting up more pairs of different stuff, so I got a a whole menagerie of scrub pythons. I enjoy green tree pythons, so I've I've set up a nice little corner of those. And um, boiga, this particular season, I kind of ripped through them real fast with breeding. Like, I just just started knocking down all these breeding accomplishments, and it was like, all right, cool, you know, so uh, the collection got... Really big and really out of hand, and it's still it still is a little bit too big for what I wanted, so I've cut some of the Boiga projects back um, after I've had success with them and and just kind of a, a being able to put it all on video so people can actually see it, see that mm-hmm. I've done it, see that it can be done you know, and, and share the information and put that out there, and, but I've been cutting back some of the miscellaneous projects and just kind of trying to, trying to focus a little bit. It's better for me. It's better on the animals. Uh, it's better for breeding success. Hopefully, you know, I can, I can dedicate more time, and, and I'm not, like, really shotgunning it and spreading myself out too thin.
1: Very cool. Very cool. So, um, positive boy, I guess, so, like, so, is that why the move was kind of more gearing towards what you're really enjoying rather than doing just what you're supposed to be doing as a
3: reptile breeder? Like yeah, what pretty much. You want to work with? Exactly, exactly. It's just like I always had it, it's always there. It was, you know, and I know you guys are going to want to talk about the importing and that, but it, it's mm. funny because my suppliers are always like, you know, you, you're kind of like a dream come true because. Everybody's pushing for the same stuff over and over and over again and then here comes this guy, here comes Dan and he's he's pushing me to get all the stuff that nobody wants. And so <laughs> Yeah, and, and so so, you know, it was kinda like for them they were like, Oh, this is great because now I got you know, all these other guys are pushing for this stuff and then here's Dan and he wants Patayas, you know, it was like I think I think he told me that he had never even sent out one Patias Caronadas until he met me and I started sounding like a broken record going, Come on man, you gotta do it, you gotta do it, you gotta do it and <laughs> now it's like, you know, he just never dreamed that anything like that would ever happen. And then now all the other guys that are always they were the ones pushing for other stuff, now they're trying to get in on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're oh. to go, Yeah, they're going, oh. Hey well, that's not fair, you know, you're you're sending all the patayas carnatis, and, you know, and my supplier's just kind of like, you know, <laughs> it was always there for you too, but, you know, Dan's really made something of it, and he enjoys that I'm putting my heart and soul into it as well and trying to actually get this stuff into the hobby, and so that's yeah. also a big difference, and I, I'm really, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he really appreciates that. That these animals are, you know, he knows how rare they are, and he's putting them in my hands. But I'm not just, you know, taking them to, you know, a, a repticon and just throw them in it, throwing in a big tub and trying to flip that sucker as fast as I can. You know, I'm that's yeah. not what I'm doing. I'm actually trying to make something of this stuff. So, so it's you know things like that. It's just it's it's fun for me. That's what I've always liked to do. So that's that's what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, those nice. those animals in particular are very impressive. I've ne- I well, that's a perfect example. I never knew about them until I watched your till I watched your show and uh man, they're they're huge.
3: <laughs> and,
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, and, you know they, they really are extremely rare um in the wild, they're rare in the hobby. Um I don't I don't want to say that they're probably you know endangered or anything like that but they're just so fast and elusive and they're just something that you don't you don't see in the wild and they're yeah. just I mean obviously if they were all over the place you you know you'd see a lot more in the hobby especially after I kind of created this big big desire you know to hmm. work with but um yeah I saw my first one in Thailand in 2003 I saw one that was brought out at one of the, the snake shows, and I'd never seen one either. I never knew what it was. I took a I took a crappy photo of it as it was being, like, you know, shuffled off the, off the stage real fast, and I still at that point didn't even get a name. I had to, like, do all kinds of research, and I figured out what it was, and this was a huge one that I saw, and I kind of, like, made it my goal at that point. I was like... I'm getting these, I don't know how many, I don't care how many trips this is going to take me over here, but later, <laughs> later I'm, gonna, I'm getting these because this is the craziest thing I ever saw. Until you know, obviously I've done that.
1: That's awesome. So like w- when you're acquiring a new species that is that rare or that unheard of in, in the hobby or readily available, what, what's your approach to researching that species and then finally, getting the animals, is it wandering through Indo screaming, or is it like using all your connections that you got now?
3: you know what i I think it's probably just luck um, that Jeez. I bumped into enough people to where finally one of them said, "I know exactly what you're talking about, and i i can I can get those. It's not easy, but I promise you I'll try my hardest and so you know so many other people they were just like. No way! And they just kind of laughed and no. Sorry, it's not going to happen. Prior to the supplier that I'm using now to get all of them or almost all of them, I had another supplier in Malaysia, and we were, you know, this was a few years prior to to the first time I got them out of Indo, and you know, we even headed out to a Skinner, like some some Skinner dude. It was a really bizarre experience along with oh god many others, but he had huh. them. He had them in wire cages alongside, uh, you know, king cobras in wire cages. And it was pretty apparent to me at that point that this stuff's ending up getting skinned. And when you when you see a king cobra in and in one of those big patayas next to one another, you kind of start going, uh, okay, they're passing off this skin as king cobra skin once it's all stretched and tanned and, and the whole process. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, but that was I'd... the only time. But that... That particular guy. I mean, I would never want an animal that came from the Skinner because it's in a wire, like a chicken cage, like a wire cage, and the nose is all goofed up, and and they're already you know dehydrated and messed up, and it just it wouldn't hmm. be, wouldn't it wasn't the ideal place to to get any of those from. But uh, luckily, I found a second source years later, and so. But as far as research, like for husbandry and that, there isn't. Mm-hmm it's even with the internet it uh a lot of the species and that's why it's so rewarding to work with stuff like that because you can't google it i mean you you can't just get on the internet and go okay let's see what feeding preferences none of it none of it's out there you have to kind of pioneer it so i just kind of used you know i'm not i'm not all bitching i'm not better than anybody else i just happen Hmm. to have a lot of experience with a lot of weird stuff that i've always enjoyed and and i just kind of brought all the tricks and tools to the table that I knew of and, and, um, and figured them out, and once it was kind of, I had them figured out how to get them established in that, it was pretty easy, and, and I'm very open with the information, so I, I, I share it pretty freely. Um, I haven't unlocked the breeding yet, but I'm, I'm getting real close. You know, I've gotten some infertile eggs, and, and uh, for the people that have watched my video, they breed right in front of me, like that's that's, that's awesome. usually a pretty difficult Step, you know that's a an mm-hmm. accomplishment but man i've gotten i've gotten that that's that's easy but now it's just trying to manipulate things and, and try to kind of get it all worked out and figure out what's going to work so again i'm i'm applying more tricks in that and once i figured it out i'll hopefully i figure it out and i'll you know i'll share that information as well but um but it's cool you know something like that it's 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 fun because you feel very accomplished when it's all said. So mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a a little recipe where you just go, okay, do this, 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 and this, and wait <laughs> 55 days. And yeah, it's not like that. It's a totally different. Right. Thing, but, yeah, very
1: you have cool. to work at it. Yeah. <laughs> Man,
0: five years of breeding seasons go by, and you know you're still you know chipping away at yeah. that. That that payoff must be uh, must be huge when it actually will, you know, does happen yeah. when you're working with rare species like that, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've placed, a few, you know, a number of pairs with other people. A few went to Canada, there's some on the East Coast. And so there's other animals in capable hands as well. So it could very well be that somebody beats me to it because, you know, like I said, I'm not all bitching and better than anybody else. Everybody mm-hmm. has their own, you know, they bring bring their own... Uh, experience and whatnot to the table so it's certainly possible that somebody beats me to it but but i'm trying you know of course in a perfect world it, it should be me after all the work that i've done but the things that i have accomplished by just getting them and getting them here into the united states and establishing them in the hobby at least for founding stock you know that's an accomplishment in and of itself because nobody knows all the things that I've gone through to get to that stage, and it's a pretty, it, it took a lot of work, you know, and of course <laughs> yeah. the payoff, the payoff is with other species as well, it's not just those, but those were always probably my top two or three, you know, animals to acquire, so no, i have still, still successful, and they're really fun to work with, the, the, the reward working with those and having those in a the collection it, it's, they just really trip me out and they're, they're so smart
0: and but. yeah I was just going to ask you that they seem like you know from watching your videos they seem like they're you know one of those snakes that have more of an intelligence than uh, you know than say you know some snakes it's just uh, they're on autopilot whereas these guys seem to be uh, checking things out so to speak is that is that true?
3: Oh that's it's it goes way beyond that even and i don't want to sound like some crazy lady on some animal planet television program but <laughs> i swear these animals recognize me when i walk into that room it is totally different response when it's me as opposed to my wife or or a stranger they act so different with me i just must represent food because yeah they just they raise their heads up They camp their heads to the side. They try to get a good look. What am I holding in my hands? They, I'm, I'm telling you, and I don't want to sound like a nut, but these animals, they have unbelievable eyesight, and they recognize all these things, and it's, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, it's like nothing that I've ever worked with before. You know, I have, I hear it all. I mean, I know we're going to be talking about scrub pythons, and that's the kind of the main thing of this um, show, but. I hear it all the time, scrub pythons, the most intelligent snake I've ever worked with, you know, and I'm just like, you know, (laughs) you, (laughs) you, yeah, you, you haven't experienced what I've experienced yet. It's, it's really crazy. You know, once you open up that vision, like extremely acute vision to where they, they see what you're carrying and they, you know, there's times where I walk into the room and I'll put a box of rodents on the floor. It's the same box every week, you know, and the, the box goes down on the floor, and the snakes up in the top cages, they, they're they way up high, and they got their nose pressed against the glass, and they're tilting their heads to see what's what's down there in that box. And my scrub pythons don't do that. They just wait for some heat source to come within range, and, you know, out comes this long clumsy strike you know <laughs> right. <different>, <laughs> right Jesus yeah wow but cool yeah it's cool, a trip it's cool, cool. a trip and, and every every animal is different you know and they're all they're all kind of interesting to work with and, and they all have some you know they they all bring something different to the table but uh, that's the reason we all work with the things that we work with you know there's all kinds of stuff that attracts us to different species
0: sure Yeah, absolutely. So I guess, you know, we'll get right into it with Scrub Pythons. Um, I think the biggest thing when it comes to Scrub Pythons is, uh, you know, localities. Um, What's your thoughts with localities, with scrubs, um, and how do you approach it? I hear you say locality type a lot, Um, you know, on like on your shows and stuff, which is sort of, you know, similar to what I do. But, you know, what's your thoughts on localities?
3: Well, a lot of people don't like the way I, I put this out there, but um, there are definitely localities based on the hobby. So when I'm when I'm working with animals or identifying animals to other hobbyists, maybe for resale or or whatever, I either just grab the hobby name, the locality that everybody else recognizes that that visual look by, and. I throw that name on it and put the word type after it because if mm-hmm. I don't have that actual information, I don't, I'm not the, I'm not that kind of guy. I mean, you guys have talked to me before and, and you know what I'm all about. If I know, right. and I, then I put it out there like, like those, uh, the, those, um, class Lepis, the the, uh, ambons. I know those came from ambon, so I'm going to call it an ambon. And I don't care who gets all hurt because I'm not calling them a, the Moluccan, but I know they came from Ammon, so why not put the real information out there <laughs> or the Colwood right yeah, yeah. Or the, the Highland animals you know i i I know they came from bovin de Gaulle Regency uh Tanimera is is you know maybe a little bit smaller uh area on the map. <clears throat> everybody else is calling them Oxville. Hey, I I don't know i. I know that they. I know I can. I know that I can say Tanamera, although the average person doesn't pronounce it right, and it is kind of a messed up word for us. <laughs> so, so then I, f- I feel like Highland, Highland, or Highland type is the best way to describe that animal because I don't know if they came from Oxbow, even though I mean that's that's quite a ways further up that mountain. You know, I don't even know if uh, if anybody's going up that far. To, to collect scrubs because it's not an easy place to get to, so you know there's just a it's a it's just one of those things. I, a lot of times I just let other people they, they they put their names on my animals and and I'm good with it because if I if I right. don't know where <laughs> it came from then then go ahead be my guest call it whatever you want you know it, I know where it's sitting right now but I, I don't know where it, where it actually was collected from and I think that right. there is. There's got to be so much stuff that we have wrong. It's got to be, yeah. you know, back in the days when people were just throwing a dart at a map of West Papua and going, "Oh, you know what? That actually sounds cool. Let me let me call this 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 locality. Maybe it'll sell better." And it's, I know that went on, you know, with lots of different stuff. And some of it's probably correct. Some of it's incorrect. Some of it is just Got to be downright deceptive, just because, it, just because it would sell and it sound sounded more attractive. So, I've been to Indonesia. I got a bunch of stamps in my passport. A lot of the experts mm-hmm. don't, but again, that doesn't make me the expert either. But at least I've been there and and I've been exposed to a lot of stuff. But damn it, somebody needs to go and do the work and 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 go do some field. Field research and, and do it. If I didn't have a job, I swear to you, I would, I would do it. <laughs> uh, just, just because, just because, I, you know, if no one else is going to do it, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I'm always game for a trip. But maybe when, maybe when, they,
1: maybe when you finally retire, you can do the research for us, oh, and we can all think learn I from that. About
3: it. <laughs> 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 but I, I know that. Um, If I go to – if I can somehow get the approval to meet with the shipper in West Papua that ships all this stuff out of Marauke, then that guy is going to hold pretty much all the knowledge without having to travel all around that gigantic area. I know that that guy guy would know. I just don't know Mm -hmm. how – good of an idea or bad of an idea it is for me to go there because all those areas, you know, that some of the areas aren't real foreigner friendly and and um, it would just it would just kind of be, you know, would it be would it be worth it? It would totally be worth it for the 22-year-old kid sitting at home on the couch and getting all that information of all this locality stuff for him it would be worth it. But for the guy that has to, you know, kind of Hang his butt out there a little bit, and, <laughs> and yeah, and and you uh, know, hope that you know, hope that everything goes well, and gather the information and that kind of stuff. It's a different story, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm game. I, I'd like to do it. I'd, I'd like to do it. It needs to be done because we're, what we're doing is we're picking and choosing from different things. You know, I've seen actual photos taken in the wild of some some of the the different appearances and I'm like, okay, well this 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 photo was taken by a birder in, you know, Birdshead Peninsula, you know, whatever and then it's like, okay, well, here's a photo. This represents a lot to me, you know. And then Mark O'Shea, he's done lots of extensive travel. He puts up photos, I'm hundred percent down with him, but then you know, such and such in Florida gets a couple bags and supposedly they were marked and it said Jayapura on it, supposedly, I can't, I can't go with that. You know, I just can't do that. So, So we're really, we're really at a disadvantage, but yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. And, and again, I have to kind of, I have to kind of play two sides as well because, you know, what if, uh, what if I had a something from Maroke and then and then also another animal from Jayapura, but the Jayapura looks like Maroke and the Maraoke looks like Jayapura and I put it up for sale and I label it what I know it is but it doesn't look like that. You know what I mean? And then yeah, you know, uh-huh. then you start having all these flame wars and that it's not. It's that you're so off, your locality is wrong, and you know, and it just turns into a mess. So, I feel like I speak a couple different languages. If I ask for certain animals from my supplier, there's a lot of different things where I ask for animals by a certain locality, but when they get here, they got to be I got to switch my language and start talking hobby talk again just because it kind of makes the world go round. but.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of always cracks me up that uh, people that haven't been over to to Indonesia, you know, all of a sudden are experts on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the localities of animals in Indonesia. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know, it just it, it's just crazy sometimes. The,
3: the... It, it is, and and I'm one of those people. I don't I don't talk that much, you know. I. I Keep to myself a lot of times. I see tons of comments all day long posted. You know, don't think I'm not watching because I I I read all this crap (laughs) on social media. (laughs) I I, you know I I I, part of my job is I have to kind of be on top of things. I want to see who's saying what and who's doing what and and you know you kind of have to do that especially when you're in business. But I I bite my tongue all day long. I I make no comments. But I read it all, and you know my dad always said the empty can rattles the most, and there's a lot of empty cans out there. You know, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but there's a lot of people that do a lot of talking, and yeah. I'm just like, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I usually, start I start with, all right, show me your passport. Right <laughs> yeah. there, you yeah. go. Like at least like that. That's what ends start. it there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, well, even like if i at an expo, like say for example, I'm at an expo in Jakarta, and I see some beautiful, classedilepies, and and um, you know here here I learned this once the hard way. Here I am some some dumbass, and I go, oh, Moluccan, and they just looked at me like, what are you talking about? Because you know, and hmm. over there it, it's not the it's not the Malukan Islands; it's the Malukus. Maluku is that, that's what they call it That's, the, you know, oh. word for that From what I understand And, uh-huh. you know, it's like No, sir, this is Saram, you know So, you, like, Ambon Ambon is like one One small, I believe it's an island And then Saram is right next to it So I see this this fantastic Class of Lepis And I'm starting, you know I'm calling everything Saram Or at least that's the first word that comes out of my mouth So I don't sound like an idiot you know, because right. I, I gotta talk now I'm going back to the to a different way of you know, like a not a not their language, but I gotta talk I gotta get out of the hobby talk. I got now I gotta stop mm. start talking real world stuff. So they can at least identify with what my question is or what I'm asking locality wise. So it's stuff like that.
0: Whew, that must be uh tough to juggle back and forth between the two worlds. Yeah, I uh, mean <laughs>
3: Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. But you know what? Um, whatever works, and and when you really like something, you know, you, you you can really apply yourself, and and your brain will absorb all that stuff. You can do all that when you are passionate about something. If it's something sure. that you know, you're sitting in class and somebody's forcing you to learn it, and you really don't care, it's like, uh, you know, your brain doesn't want <laughs> to. <you. laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So would it be fair to say that, you know, scrubs would fall into the same type of um, taxonomy as say um, like chondros with Northern and Southern, uh, them being two different species. Do you, do you share that idea or?
3: Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I can tell you, Locality-wise, when I'm like kind of pondering what's going on with all the different stuff, I do I do feel like a lot of the Barnecks would be considered more of a northern type. Mm-hmm. At least, mm-hmm. at least based on the information that I get, the Barnecks seem to be mostly all from the north, Sarong and, and, and Jayapura and all that. Like they're all they're all up there, and then when you move down to the south, um, below that mountain line, you know, then then I'm seeing more of the the southern type. You know, it actually well in the hobby we call them southern, so the Maroke okay type. Right but they're but I'm also seeing lots of variability even among those. So really? but they're but they're not Barnecks. They're definitely not what what we call Barnecks. Coming from those areas, those are always, and and I tell you, this year I've seen more aberrant things than I've ever seen in my life, and I've actually received more more babies this year than than I've ever seen, also. And so I'm, you know, stripes and patternless and and just all kinds of weird stuff, you know, weird aberrancies and things. And um, but I think that when you when you throw a barnick into that mix. A barnack is a barnack, very very distinct, and then all the other mm-hmm. stuff uh, seems like kind of a hodgepodge of that. Right. And then, and then, the Tanameras or what I call the highland types, I feel at least this is the way my brain, and I'm not basing this off of any kind of field research, but the way my brain kind of interprets it, interprets it, is that as you work your way up that mountain from the south you know, from the south side and possibly even from the north side, but from the collect the collection information that I have is is or would be or could be that as you work your way up that mountain you start getting the those oxybil type traits where you start getting all those ventral those yellow ventral markings and all that kind of stuff. And some of it is kind of subtle, some of it is pretty intense that could easily just be Differences among You know individuals where You know some will be high yellow some will be Low yellow or it could Be an altitude thing You know the higher you go the more mm-hmm. More yellow they are I don't know And I'm just basing basing a lot Of that off of like the old Photos that I've seen of like Of Oxbill animals from Like a long time ago like The super super gold Really gold animals it, You know I'm hoping that those photos were were depicted correctly um, mm-hmm. it would be it would be you know cool if that if that did hold true, but I could be wrong too, but that's just kind of the way the way that I kind of interpret and all the information that I've gathered and talking to my supplier and and talking to other people and kind of putting it all together and it's kind of the way that i that I have it all figured out but It's just one dude's opinion, so I (laughs) I couldn't say for sure, you know. But it's an informed
1: opinion. It's not like you just decided one day to think like this. You're, like, looking (laughs) at evidence. (laughs) Dan didn't just wake up today and goes, you know what? I'm going to rename everything. So it's, like, it's an informed opinion, and it
3: makes a lot of sense.
1: So, Yeah, Yeah,
3: I, I agree with you, but still I don't feel comfortable Basing, you know, putting, I don't feel comfortable like putting that out there as fact. Even though it's sort of based on facts and then also kind of filling the gaps with my own interpretation, it's still not 100% fact, you know? Yeah. It's my informed opinion, but I have no idea. I don't know. And there's so many people that have really strong opinions on all this stuff, and hence, i keep my mouth shut and just kind of stay quiet until a couple of dudes like you ask me about it and then I talk about it. Other than that, I just keep my mouth shut. I don't want to be the empty can. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense.
1: Man, it does.
0: So with all that being said, you know, when you're going to go and put a breeding project together for scrub pythons, I mean, you know, how do you... Well, how do you go about? Do you, do you look at just the phenotype of the animal, or you just you know you go by? Okay, I know this locality, you know, is is this you know from the supplier? I put this. Wait till another animal comes along that looks like this or is from the same area. Um,
3: I, what's your thoughts I on that? I figure you you can't go wrong with matching like animals because hmm. somebody could could leave tomorrow and do three months of field work and photograph and videotape the whole thing, it's all 100% cataloged. And if you put two like animals together, you will get the actual locality. And then you can proudly say that this pair is this. Because you matched up, you know, you matched up two almost exact animals or at least obvious animals that are, you know, coming out of the same location based on their appearance you can't go wrong with that yeah. but if you if you you know if you grab some some cool looking whatever and another cool looking whatever just because somebody you know told you at an expo that they were both collected from wherever but they look different you know it's like well, yeah. yeah you know someday you know you may be proven wrong and that you you know you sort of hybridized hybridize the localities with each other or whatever but i just go with like animals i mean that makes sense to me at least at least you're you're breeding like animals and hopefully someday somebody does the work and you find out exactly what you what you put together
0: yeah, yeah i i would agree that that makes sense you know um i mean i i would think that that animals that look the same are at least from this area of, Somewhat close to each other. You know, the reason I asked that question is because you have you know, on one of your videos and I shared the picture over on our uh on the chat that we're in, um you have this crazy looking um super busy pattern scrub that I, I think you said in the video that you may have thought was a Highland animal, but you changed your mind. Um, you know the one I'm talking about?
3: Mm. There's been Let's so see. many trying to remember.
0: Hold on, I'm going to send you the picture because I I actually uh, oh, okay. screenshot some of your YouTube uh, videos so that I could mm-hmm. so that we had some uh, animals to talk about. So we know what we're up.
1: talking about here. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Okay, right. I I got it. I'm looking at it right now. Yes.
0: Yeah. What's so the animal? You...
3: Uh, Tanamera. Okay.
0: I, oh okay. No, wait.
3: You know what? No, this is from. I think that's from the first video because I did two. I did two scrub videos, and I'm confusing that with a, a newer photo where I was holding, an animal that size above some babies, in a tub below it, and I was doing a comparison with that. No, th- this particular animal, um, I never really identified what that was. Um, I know who. I know who bought it. I no longer own it. I know I know who bought it, and it's turned really gold, and it's it's really gotten nice looking. Um, but again, I don't know. I would I would, yeah. I would wa- venture to say, kind of hesitantly, maybe a roux based on what the hobby calls a roux because because of what I what I know this animal is looking like now because it's kind of an mm-hmm. older. Is a lot bigger, and it, it's gotten very gold, but um, yeah, it was back, back at around that, that time, I was getting very, very few scrub pythons just get this weird random mixture, where I'd get, maybe in one shipment, I'd get like three animals, or four, or maybe lucky enough to get five animals, or something, and they would be like, you know, it would be like a like an eight foot bar in there, and then there would be like a baby that was all dirty that needed to shed, you know. And then, and then that animal, I remember like one time I got an animal like that, and it finally shed, and it was it was a patternless that I couldn't see when it first came because it needed to shed so bad, and and so I get this random mixture of all this stuff, and so you know that those are the times where I'm guessing. I'm just kind of like, mm, yeah, I don't know what it is, but you know what. Get another one like it, and then, <laughs> then you're good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, what it
3: exactly. is. Done.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Figure all that so other I stuff get... out later.
1: Just make make more of it. Yeah. So. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Exactly. And you know, I posted like um, this weekend. I posted that album of all those youngsters. Um, mm-hmm. The ver- the variability it's insane. I mean,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: there's so many different looking animals, but I've seen so many now where I'm starting to pick up on certain traits where I'm kind of like okay this this is this has the same traits as this so I'm going to I'm going to say that these are from the same locality and I and I can play that game but the the it the range is incredible whether it's color pattern you know all of it it's just really crazy to me I never even, yeah. you know, and, and then now I'm getting a, a real trained eye, where I can like grab a little, you know. I've had people tell me, "Oh, well, yeah, that that's a, it's great little red, red neo is a great little red baby, but, you know, that pattern may not stay, or the pattern will come in more, and it's like, no, dude, I've I've seen, I've seen so many now where I can like, I can I know like how what light. That I need to do like my light inside my my snake room is terrible it it for some reason erases all those yellow ventral markings on all my animals so I've learned that if I want to see if there's any of those little yellow ventral marks I have to go outside and put them in the sun and Uh I walk out I just walk outside into some natural light and it's like wow (laughs) (laughs) there they are (laughs) there with this stupid light that I have in my in one of my work areas, so uh, I can usually pick up on them when they're super tiny, uh, and sometimes they don't come in until later. Um, but the the patterns and things, I'm getting real good at at seeing stuff that's kind of like not there, because it comes in later. I've seen so much grow up now, where I'm kind of like, mm, this is this is good stuff. I know exactly what this is. This I'm marking this box right now. You know, and just hmm. wait and, and, and watch it grow up. But the one thing that I can't do on a lot of this stuff is write a truly accurate locality name on that box. Right. I can put on the box, oh. you, know, you know, put a star on it, write Highland on there because I see the little ye- yellow, you know, ventral markings in that. And But sometimes I can put the locality on there if I have that information, and sometimes I can't. I just have to kind of lump it all up and go, well... I have to go and they're okay on that one you know cuz right. <laughs> yeah, I not I i I'm not seeing the traits that that I I should be seeing with the stuff that I know for a fact came out of Tanamera so I'm kind of like I'm sort of building building a, a loose you know I don't want to say database cuz I haven't put it into a computer it's sort of just in my brain but but I'm building the information and I'm sort of I'm I'm Acquiring it, I'm building more and more, and kind of reinforcing things. So it's kind of it's kind of cool. I mean, I'm very I'm in a very fortunate situation where I'm able to see so many. Um, yeah. And I know you guys wanted to also talk about the quota, um, mm. but I I seem to have just about consumed like the whole quota. <laughs> for oh
2: that. really?
3: Yeah, I, I this year for some reason you know sometimes when you. When you push hard, you know all of a sudden the the floodgates break open, and so I've gotten a lot of scrub pythons this year. Easily, I'm gonna this I'm gonna go out on a limb. Got to be way more than anybody else in the world outside of Indonesia. I've gotten a big amount, you know, compared wow. to uh, compared to the average year where I may get twelve or thirteen or fourteen. You know, all of a mm-hmm. sudden this year I've I mean you've seen how many albums of animals that I've been able to yeah. put up. And so Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's been it's been insane. Never I, I, never with an import like when you're when you're ordering from overseas, never say we'll take all. Like, don't ever, <laughs> don't ever say that because
2: yeah because you sometimes,
3: all. you know, you'll go like four or five years and, and, you know, you'll get like two or three animals over a four or five-year period and you keep saying, we'll take all, we'll take all, and then next thing you know, 3,000 are coming next week. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, oh. you just never know what could happen. So it's one of those kind of deals. And even my supplier said that this year was crazy, that in 25 years – in the reptile business, he's never seen so many just this year, and huh. he doesn't expect it to be like this every year every year every year, it's just this particular year just you know it just it just happened it's weird
0: yeah it's uh so i i've I've worked with scrub pythons off and on from from two thousand and Eleven, I think, maybe 2010, and yeah. you know, Oxables or the Highland type um, are the ones that you could never find. And of course, right. when I don't have any money, <laughs> they're all over
3: your page. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah.
3: And the thing that the thing that's cool is that um, I, I'm not seeing any else with them out there. Like, I mean, it's mm-hmm. not it's not like all of a sudden, you know, I have. I have a dozen or 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 more, and then they're popping up all over the place. Florida you know got fifty and this guy got this mm-hmm. many. isn't like that? you know it's just kinda all of a sudden just this this quantity popped up and and because I'm serious about it and and I pay my invoices <clears throat> and, you know they, they <laughs> came to me. <laughs> that helps so, right <laughs> yeah that always that's helps
0: yeah. always helps yeah. uh, okay that's cool so maybe we'll shift gears a little bit and we'll talk about um malucan scrubs um which we hit a little bit on um you know just a little while ago but i think that um you know one of the things that you mention in your videos which i think is important that people should know that you know that area is not just one island it's a chain of islands
3: right i mean there's it is it's a big big group of islands and you know it if you if you look on a map um you know it'll it'll tell you maluka islands or maluku which is a synonym it's basically the indonesian synonym for that and it is a very very big area down in the southern range of that of that area that they refer to as Maluku, it's it ju- it starts just north of of Timor. For those of you that are familiar with the maps and that, um, it it, ju- it starts just just above Timor, and it includes other islands where other localities, scrub pythons, and even different species occur, like Tanimbar, Aru. Those are all within the the Maluku. Island chain and then up to the north, if whoever started this kind of common locality name, um, you know, if they didn't differentiate between North Maluku and they just kind of just lumped it in like that, it goes way way up to the north, where you know it, it includes halmahera and, and 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 many, many, many islands in between. but Ambon and Saram are kind of the the center of it all, um, they're mm-hmm. right kind of smack dab in the middle of that that big island region, and I know for a fact that they're the the yellow class that that we all know good and well, those are coming from Ambon and saram um, for sure, they could very well be coming from elsewhere because whoever chose to give this animal a common name picked instead of picking Ambon or saram, they picked. This huge, gigantic area. So, hmm. I don't know. Like, with, there there could be some beautiful gold specimens coming from a bunch of the islands all around there. Or maybe they're all coming from Ambon and Saram and whoever was the first guy that, you know, back in the, the late 80s when all of a sudden I, I first remember starting to see all these beautiful gold animals coming in. You know, whoever that per- first person was that said, oh, we got to give this animal... A locality name you know they they picked a huge, huge area, so I don't know, I don't know um all I can say for sure is based on fact, Ambon and saram the you know and that's like a real tight, tight little uh island mass, and it's somewhat significant compared to a lot of the other little specks of land all around it, so and also back in the day, back in the late '80s, when I go to the my local importers and, and see what's going on, I would see these really, really gold, beautiful, beautiful gold animals like the the pair of ambons that I have. And mm-hmm. and then it seemed like after after that uh, period of time, and people kind of ignored them because those were the that was like the Wild West days where you could find. Anything, Everything was imported almost, and there was just so much to, it was so overwhelming. You know, you're trying to pick all these projects that you want to work with, and and there's just tons of animals, and they were widely overlooked, but I distinctly remember how beautiful gold-yellow those animals were, and then over time, not only did they start becoming more scarce in the hobby, but the ones that were popping up seemed to be, more dark and more pigmented. And it could very well be that those real nice gold ones were coming from you know, some area and it got all kind of cherry picked and over collected and so they found maybe some other populations in some other areas where they're darker. You know, I don't I, I can't say for sure but very, very right. likely. And then you know, but then the that pair of ambons that I have are those are back like I remember real bright, bright yellow, and then a lot of the other ones that kind of straggle in sometimes, and um, I get very, very few of those, and others as well, but there are some other importers that get a random one or two here and there, and they're just different, they're darker, they just don't look, the cla- they don't have that classic look that I that I remember seeing back when I was, you know, like a little kid running around the importer place, and back when my brain was uh, absorbing <laughs> all the images and things, you know, and never forget that stuff.
1: Right. You did say that they're using, like, a big scale. Like, they said that, like, they they, they chose Maluku, even though Maluku is this, like, where well, Maluku is this giant, vast area. Are, are we thinking that maybe the high gold ones could be from, uh, even go as far as, say, a different island
3: than the sure. darker
1: ones? And that's why we cherry picked this island so bad and now we're on to this island.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and you know, Indonesian people, they're not stupid. They know if if they if they only have to take one ferry that's pretty comfortable with air conditioning or whatever to get to one island and they can grab a bunch of, you know, and they're they're actual collectors and they're going to collect some pythons that are they're going to sell back in Jakarta or whatever. Um mm. They're going to do that as opposed to going to some other island where they have to take three ferries and then you know swim on a <laughs> swim on a raft to get to the oh yeah okay just to get you know huh. some beautiful gold python that, that that the guy in Jakarta is going to give them the same price for. They're going to go you know the the lowest hanging fruit because it's the least amount of work and effort and they're probably going to get the same amount of money.
1: So, Makes sense
3: yeah so it's there's a lot of factors that go into that and and there are some areas in in Papua and that whole region where you should not go if you're not one of those local guys you know it's just uh this is a very tribal region um the i I went there for the first time to uh West Papua last year and we're going back again in november and um and it 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 has just absolutely captivated me it's It's all I think about, and my wife as well, like she's from Thailand, and she's used to all these beautiful areas and islands and nice reefs and all that, but there is something mm-hmm. about Raja Ampat and West Papua and all these these reefs and the the sea, and even the people have just won us over the the whole thing has left such a deep impression with us that we just can't wait to get back there. But, um, you know, the the guide that that we are using, you know, there's always that thing where they say these people are very peaceful, very generous, very respectful, honest, and and all the attributes that, you know, that are very admirable, but they are a tribal people. And they all they know how to accomplish the things that like they don't like, and they want to fix stuff. They just straight up go to war, like they're, you know, like tribal warfare. That's how they resolve things through, you know, with violence. Although when we travel through there, we just get nothing but smiles, and and it's a fantastic place, and we don't feel in danger or anything. But if you are trespassing, or you're caught. Collecting things in places that belong to other people, oh, I could see how things could get really, really ugly as well, so those are all wow. that factored into the collection of some of these things in that region. That's just kind of how it it goes down over there, so you have to be careful there's a lot of real dangerous places where you know you you could get robbed you could you know or worse or or you know who knows what could happen but um it's an awesome right. place, and I know it's get a little, getting a little bit off the topic, but I did want to talk about it. Is you know that area you have the Laidecers Line, you know where where you have Australia to the south, and then you have you have West Papua and Papua New Guinea, and you have all this fauna that you know over all these years it kind of it you know things were were connected at one point, and you have all these animals that that evolved kind of. Together and and they're still finding things that kind of don't really belong where they're where you know they're supposed to where you're seeing Australian animals you know living naturally in, in Papua and right. it's just a really really interesting area and you know you guys are carpet dudes and and you know all about it it's just really really a crazy place it's so interesting to me I'm. I can't stop thinking about it. I, it's really a crazy part of the world.
0: It it, it almost seems like it's like um, like if you were to uh, imagine prehistoric times, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, even, that's what comes to mind. Even,
3: even the people, even even the people, you know, and it's when you when you see those people you're you're looking I mean they're more like an like an aboriginal people. But but you're you're you know, you're not looking around and you're like, Oh look, that guy has blonde hair and that one has blue eyes and that one's this and that one like they're they're just a very ethnic, strong ethnic looking people and they've you know, you they've been there since the very beginning and and even that is a real trip for me. You know, just to Sure. Very very primitive people. The way they, you know, there's no resort. The way they live, and you know, you're jumping. You you got to go from one one place to your next destination, and you're in like a you're in an actual dugout canoe. You know, like a tr- tree. You know, <laughs> it's
2: just
3: yeah, it's it's really a trip. But as you go through there, you know, you're going down these little rivers and tributaries. You know, there's there's big saltwater crocodiles and and you just your mind just runs wild like what what could possibly like what what this jungle could possibly hold. It, there's got to be so many things that are still out there. It's just a really yeah. crazy part of the world. And you know what? That I don't want to I don't want to tease you guys, but um, I've got something going on over there on the farm with some animals that, uh, they don't really belong in, in Papua, but. We oh, have really? Those animal, yeah, we we have those animals on the farm, and, and things are getting all lined up for, um, for, for me getting those, those animals, and so there's things like that that pop up every once in a while, you know, where it's like, huh. oh, that's weird, you know, is this a new species, mm-hmm.
2: what is
3: this, and. So it's, there's a lot of things like that also that that happen where things pop up and you go, you know, I'll get a picture. And, what is this? And you'll be like, Well, it looks like this, you know. And, yeah, but it came from here. And you'd be like, What? <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> oh, yeah, Jesus. It, it's just one of those areas is really, it's just it's it's cool, man. I I, I can't wait to get back there. I. I I if I was retired I would spend a lot of time. First I would knock it, knock out all that scrub locality crap. Awesome. I would have all that <laughs> stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then and then I would just continue on and, and go all throughout that region. It's really interesting. Well,
1: well yeah, we you have should, a plan. I, hmm. Yeah, I right. Mean, it's great. Um <laughs>
0: You definitely, uh, I'm just going to tell the listeners again that, um, you did quite a, uh, you did a few episodes on, um, on your trip there. Right. And, uh, it's, it's some pretty cool footage, uh, of just the, uh, just the area and just get a feel for what it's like. Um, again, we live through you.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> vicariously. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I'm not the ultimate field herper by any means, but, um, there's a lot also for example when i when i'm planning this trip and i'm communicating with my guide and i want to see snakes what you want to see what and you know most of the people are go into this world class diving destination and a lot of this other stuff is completely overlooked and the people are like snakes
2: like oh, you know are
3: are you crazy and you know so there's a lot of that stuff going on too so um there's there's a number of tourists that go over there, but you know they're maybe they're the smarter ones. You know they're they're spending their days scuba diving, and and I'm like you know I'm running through the jungle and stuff. But <laughs> what what time of the year is the best time? That particular trip that we did, um, it, it was more of a, the dry season. Um,
0: uh-huh.
3: Maybe that was not the time of the year, but. I did bump into a lot of different people that I communicated with through an interpreter, and those people I showed them. I had a lot of photos on my on my phone, so I was showing them pictures of, you know, of course I, I didn't do that ahead of time. I had pictures of scrub pythons on my phone, obviously, because in different think, green tree pythons and a lot of stuff from that region because I specialize in in those types of animals, but. I I just happened to have a lot of those pictures on my phone. So I started flipping through them. I'm showing these guys, what about this? What about this? What about this? And they were keying up on all of them. You know, they were like, oh, yeah. You know, and they had their own word for them and stuff. But they would tell me, oh, yeah, those I've seen those before. You know, and I'm showing them pictures of scrubs and green tree pythons and retics and all these different things. And they were, they were keying up and identifying on all that stuff. It's just, after all, the, the bunch of, you know, hours that we spent, we didn't find a whole heck of a lot snake snake wise. But I don't care because I'm I'm just sharing my trip. You know, I didn't bring snakes and bags in my backpack like a lot of the the real fake shows and stuff do. Also, no, so it's just throw them you know, out there. Yeah, I, I called. What it do we found? <laughs> yeah, it's reptile reality for a reason because that's it's that's this is the reality. When you see this, it's not going to be some fabricated show. It's going to be just us having our trip, you know, and right. we like the same stuff that you guys like and if we find it, it'll be there and if if we don't find it, then you're going to see me, you know, all sad on my on <laughs> my videos, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but still,
0: I mean, you can learn you can learn from just seeing the environment. I mean, there's right. not many videos of seeing just the environment. Um I know it would be much better for you if you found the snakes that you were looking for but (laughs) you know um, uh, but um, what about um, so what about Highland scrubs Um, you know one of the things uh, you know I was thinking is do you see any difference between the animals that are collected uh, farther north than the snakes that say collected at you know the base of the mountain type of deal Um, do you see Anything that stands out?
3: That information I don't have because I don't know which animals came from where. Like, I, okay. I have like the, the general region, but I don't. I don't have it pinpointed all the way to where. You know, the, the animals in this bag came from up here, and these came from down there. The best information that I've been able to get is that the collection route from up there is basically done um, by a river. That's the information that I've gotten, so a lot of the animals are going um, being collected along the way um, by a river to a certain extent and then um, and then from there it's it's just goes by land but I can only imagine that animals are are being collected from various locals along the way, some animals are coming from a little further out, some animals are coming from closer to the the collection route, so it it gets really convoluted at that point, which animals came from where. So the best the best that I can get is like from my supplier. Like he'll he'll mark the bags because he'll have the information, but it's only based on like a certain region. But it's not it won't be pinpointed all the way to like collection data to where it's like oh these animals came from you know two point three. From yeah, it's not it's not pinpointed like that.
0: Gotcha. So it's just all highland type animals.
3: Yeah, and, 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 and that, that's why I throw that word at the end: highland type. <laughs> right. And I'll, and I'll put <laughs> and I'll put that locality in there because I know the animals that came from that particular locality. But it's a big area. It's a very big area, and and not only is it kind of far reaching, but the collection of those animals could go further outside of those areas also just because you know they they get hand carried from here to there and then they get passed off and and you know the animals could travel quite a distance
0: right sure yeah uh, you know the other one that i think of is that uh i'm I'm assuming you still have this one that patternless uh highland type what what's the story mm with that
3: one uh the baby one you are talking about, or the big one I have the big two, one the big one, yeah, I still have yeah. him he's I just did some cleaning over the weekend, and I had him out, and thankfully he's still really cool, uh, real mellow to handle and uh I actually was needing to do a video this weekend just to kind of keep people current and let people know I'm still alive, and I was just gonna pull <laughs> out some random just some random things, you know, just to kind of keep my subscribers. Satisfied and try to get some new people on board. Um, I didn't get around to it. I'm probably going to do it this weekend. But he was one of the guy, one of the ones I was going to pull out because I I think he's a bit bigger than he was last time I threw up any uh, photos. Definitely bigger, I think, than the video because the video is a little bit older. But uh, okay. yeah, I still I still have him. He um, he's getting up there a little bit age wise because man, I think I've had that guy for. I'm gonna say about four or five years now, and he was already about seven feet when I got him, so you know, he's getting up there in age a little bit, so he's getting a little bit a little bit darker but still still nice and gold and and uh and real nice looking. The reason I asked baby or adult because I have another animal that is a patternless highland that has lots of gold coming in um and then really, it's one of my little ones, yeah. And so I have that one stashed to the side. The gold with my with the naked eye, you can really see it. And you walk it out into the sun, and, and you can really see big wide swaths of gold that go way up the sides, almost to the back. So that animal is. I, I'm just I'm just sitting on it, just watching it change over time cause it's it's really interesting for me to see what these guys do. As the as the little rose maroon color starts to you know that little neo neonate color starts to fade away and then the the true colors start coming on so it's really right. interesting for me to watch a lot of these change and that one's kind of a one of a kind that I'm sort of I'm sort of just watching intently <laughs> every time it sheds you know I gotta I, I, it, it's it's not a tame animal by any means but um, every time it sheds, you know I gotta reach in there and run outside into the light and go, oh, let me see this yellow, you know. And, and, yeah. It, it keeps on, yeah, it keeps coming on stronger, so it's 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 pretty interesting awesome. to watch that change. Yeah, it's cool.
0: Cool. Another one that I saw pop up in your videos was the one where it has sort of like the patterns missing from the like the the half the bottom half of it. You remember that one? I have a picture of that too. If you. Yeah, you know what
3: send it to me? I, I I see that somewhat um I have animals that are kind of patternless the front half and then uh-huh. some of the barneck types that I that I hatched, um and and other people's uh barnecks as well, a lot of times they'll fade out towards the back end. Let's see which one is that. Yeah, that that one is um, that one is basically a barneck type um, one that I would probably call like a Jayapura. but it uh, really yeah, but it uh, yeah, just towards the back end it just fades out, and that I do see that from time to time, and the opposite, mm-hmm. like I said, a lot of times the the front half will be kind of washed out, and then the as you go down towards the tail it sort getting all the little fine broken bands and things so they all have a little something weird going on
0: do you notice that the um the the, that yellow or that golden color intensifies when you see captive born and bred um barnecks it just seems like every like one that i see i don't know maybe it's just like the ones that chris has owen in his collection and you know the ones that you have Dan it just seems like they're just like screaming golden like that contrast is just nuts is that I think some of those
3: animals originated from um some of the first captive breedings and I think they were done with some really really high gold animals and a lot mm-hmm. of the a lot of that stock is still floating around um but the Barnex in general, uh, I mean, they're not all created equal, but they do, they, they do exhibit that bright yellow and gold coloration, some more so than others, of course. But um, I think it just kind of goes, it, that's just the nature of the Barnex for the most part. There are some that are super heavily pigmented, um, and, and then the others that are not so much. But, of course, if it's not pigmented with, much heavy uh, black bars, then it's going to allow that gold color to shine through. It's going to be more gold than it is black. So it just depends. Okay. They're not all created equal, but um, you know, even uh, some of the animals also that are in my collection, they, uh, you know, they they have some lineage that goes back to David Means and some of the other breeders that have done some some stuff. So um, you know, they're always the goal is to get. Real nice looking animals to breed. I just had this conversation with a customer the other day. And there's a lot of people, you know, they, they they want to get into the scrub pythons, but they they limit themselves to animals that are handleable. So they right. you know, they want me to like go go sift through a bunch of babies and and they they want me to find like animals that are, <laughs> that are more mellow. And there are animals that are more mellow, but. You know, I try to also kind of tell those people, is your goal to breed these, you know, and the answer almost nine times out of ten is yes, and then, you know what, who cares if, if they're bitey or defensive, or maybe you can tame them down, maybe you can't, but don't you want the most beautiful animal that you can get your hands on and breed yeah. those and make more? You know, why limit yourself to an animal that may not be the most beautiful, but but you can handle it? You know, I, I I get that, I get that, but for me, I've just never cared. I just go straight up appearance. Give me the yeah. best thing, care if it bites or not. I want to make some pretty-looking babies. Yeah, yeah. and uh, to be honest, some of my more pissed-off male carpet pythons are my best breeders. Sure, sure. So, who cares if yeah, you've got an because, attitude? Yeah, and because there's probably a lot less interaction also. I don't hold yeah. my stuff. I try to keep them as natural as possible, I just, mm-hmm. for me, you know that that one snake that's that's around somebody's neck that I see at every expo, going down every aisle, you know, for eight hours a day, that snake is wrapped around somebody, you know, across someone's shoulders or whatever. I don't know. It, to me, it just seems like common sense. You throw that animal with a ma- with a female, and it's like nah, I don't know. I'd rather have the animal that never gets held. I'd rather yeah. introduce that animal to the female because he's got nothing to, he's had nothing to think about. <laughs> but <laughs> but right you know, you know well, what this I mean. Is so, yeah, yeah, I just try to, I try to leave my animals as, as natural as possible.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Do you think though that you know, you know, you might see something similar to what happens with well, a lot of captive-born and bred. Animals seem to chill out a bit, you know. Um, do you think that that will happen with scrubs eventually once they're bred you know, more readily?
3: I know what you're talking about. Um, you know, I experienced that as you know. I had I had a I got a wildcat retic when I was about 15 years old, and then you know <laughs> all the way throughout all the years, where all of a sudden you know, oh this new tiger retic morph the animals seem to all be, like, very docile. It, it, like, goes hand in hand with this trade. And, and it was kind of true, you know? And and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then uh-huh. and then beyond that, as the, the breedings continue and you see more and more, like, really docile animals, I just, I mean, I'm with you on that with the retics because we kind of all saw it happen. <clears throat>
2: but mm-hmm.
3: I don't know... If scrub pythons are going to go that same route, because they just seem like they're just too overly sensitive to heat and movement and and all those like external cues, just seem uh-huh. like it's just that like they're just overly sensitive to that stuff, and so. I don't, I don't know. Like, I just don't know if it's, if it's, if it's physically possible. I mean, gotcha. as I've been working and getting more and more scrub pythons, there's a lot of very docile animals that just straight wild-caught animals that are already like five, six, seven feet. Some of them are super docile and some of them are not. And it's just kind of on an individual level. So I don't know. I just, I try to sort of describe those animals as, you know, just very individual. I've had Mm -hmm. clutches that I've hatched where some of the animals were like almost scary, timid, like docile animals. And to the point where you're going, geez, I hope this thing eats because
2: (laughs) it's
3: not trying to bite me, but all the others Mm -hmm. are. All the others are like little heat-seeking missiles. And I have, like, I have zero concerns about them feeding, but the real docile ones are always a little bit concerned. So it's just, a, I think it's more of an individual basis. I don't know right. if somehow those, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, I, I'm a little bit hesitant to buy into that. Just okay. because, you know, like, if you, if you compare the, the, the labial pits on a retic to those on a scrub, like there's a huge difference. Oh yeah. You know, the scrubs, <laughs> they'll, they track you and and their vision seems a little bit more acute than than retics and and I've worked with both obviously. Um retics as well and the retics seem more a little bit more uh smarter to where like maybe for using the example of a feeding response, like uh, mm-hmm. you can you can turn them off pretty easily by you know using a hook or whatever and like a gentle tap on the head and that that usually works pretty well with a retic but that doesn't work with a scro python no. Very, very rarely <laughs> are you able to like you know to open a cage and go okay Mr. scro python let me um, let me turn off <laughs> your tap okay, you here yeah give, yeah just give you a gentle a gentle nudge with my with my hook and all it all it does is pull its head back and and rears back again and like refocuses its it's tracking of you. So I don't know. It's a good question. It would be cool if it, if it did happen. And I've right. never done any, I haven't, I mean, I've done breeding, breedings, but I've never bred for that trait of, of docile animals. I've never had that luxury of being able to go, okay, well, let's see. This one's super Hannibal, this one's super Hannibal. Let me see if I can make really calm, docile babies. I've just never had that opportunity to see if somehow I could, like, I could breed it true. So, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I just think of that, uh, they did that experiment with the foxes, I think it was. Remember when we talked about that at some point, and they they made them, like, docile like dogs, you know, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. was kind of crazy. But, uh,
1: I don't know. We'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Go ahead Owen So uh, Dan can you kind of walk us through How you do your setups For your scrubs from like your your Babies all the way through your adults Because in these pictures and in your videos You kind of got some really cool Like racks and tubs and cages Going on here
3: Yeah um, All the babies um, They do not Do well with big water bowls And any type Of tubs where uh, the humidity becomes like almost a, a damp dampness. They do not do well under those conditions. so what I do with the babies when they first when they first get here, uh, regardless um, captive bread or you know, farm farm bread or uh, or wild caught, either of those, I try to give them very, very small water bowls almost a little bit too small for them to sit in and soak. And Mm -hmm. that kind of – and then I also use hides of all all sizes, appropriate size hides for all the different tubs that I use. So I feel like my observations, I see these scrub pythons a lot of times going straight into the water bowls and soaking. And I get the feeling that they're doing that for security, Um, not because it's too hot not because they have mites, not because they're dehydrated, just because they like the security of sitting in a water bowl. And if your water bowl is big enough for that animal to comfortably sit and feel secure in it, it's probably going to pick that over your hide because the hide is going to be probably bigger and more roomy and just doesn't feel as good because you Mm -hmm. can't feel all the different sides of it and stuff. So what I do is I make the water bowl for the newer arrivals very small, so of course they can drink out of it, um, and they choose the hide over the water bowl most of the time. And then what that does is that allows that animal to have a nice shed and not soak because a lot of times the animals will get weird skin issues if they soak too much, just like over-soak themselves, just based on security, just based on them feeling Good about sitting in something that's nice and tight like that. So the I kind of force them to feel secure in their hides, and then I can do a water bowl. I can I've I've messed around where it's like okay, let me give you a bigger water bowl now and see what happens. They want their hide. They don't want to be in the water. They want they want to stay in their hide, and I want to keep mm-hmm. them dry. I don't want them to to get in there and tip the bowl or spill it over, and then the cypress mulch gets all wet, and then the tub gets all. You know messed up and wet And those damp situations Aren't good based on my experience So that's Basically how I do it I give all My animals hides Uh, I didn't Always do that Uh, I've Mm -hmm. uh, Over the last few Years I've come to realize That hides are Extremely important to Everything that I have So and I and I deal With a lot of wild caught animals And uh and i give everything hides and it seems like i that fixes so many problems just the animals don't stress they f- you know they feed straight out the little opening of their hides um and they get real confident in their enclosure and they they stop going through any kind of stress routine and they just get real like i, g- I want to use the word confident cuz that's kind of what i see they're just very bold and and you know then after a while then they, they get their the feeding routine down and then you got to watch your fingers when you open those open those tubs cuz they're, <laughs> they're already far outside their hide cuz they smell what's coming so that's kind of the way I do it with all my all my scrub pythons the adults I do the same thing I just do it bigger cuz I have I have some <laughs> really big tubs also and I just do the exact same thing but I just do it on a bigger scale and I really have almost no issues with acclimation every once in a nice. while you know you'll get you'll get an animal that just doesn't arrive in the you know wonderful condition that you hope for and that's just the way it is but um but very very rare very rare and a lot of times i get some animals and like, i kind of look at them and go eh, this doesn't look so great and i get them turned around easy you just got to do yeah. you know and of course you know treat for mites and and the whole parasite thing and the quarantine thing and, and of course always do all that stuff but along with that a lot of times people go you know go with paper towels and newspapers just for the, the purposes of quarantine to keep things clean and, and and sanitary but that's not always good for the animal I've, I have found They've, they you know I mean they're slipping and sliding around on a flat paper towel and you tilt hmm. the tub a little bit too far, and the animal slides all the way from one end to another. It's just right. not, sometimes it's not the best thing. So I do all my quarantine. I I, I do it all with um, and all my treatment. I do it on cypress mulch, I, and the animals. You know, there's there's traction there. They can they can bury if they want. It's not some weird foreign, you know, slip and slide thing going on. So <laughs> yeah, they they do really good just like that. And uh, and if I have an animal that that's soaking like way too much, in my opinion, sometimes mm-hmm. I'll just pull the bowl. I'll just pull the bowl out. Make sure it's dry yeah. in there. And because uh, you know, I I do believe that animals a lot of times will choose security over over heat, or you know, you're like forcing animals to make these choices that aren't always right. best for their health. But they're doing instinctually whatever is making them, you know, feel the most secure. So I just kind of do my thing, provide the same same exact carbon copy setup for every single one. I feel like I've really dialed it in, and um, and they do really good, like, the way I do it. So no Very need cool. to change. Yeah, yeah. No yeah, need for if
1: it's not broke, don't it. fix it. Yeah. yeah,
3: exactly, exactly. And I used to do all that. Paper towels and and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, I used to do all of that, and you know what if you If you're worried that you know about external parasites or whatever, it's not a big deal. you know I use preventomite everybody uses they all have their own opinions of what they use, but just like mm-hmm. you said, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I use preventomite, mm-hmm. I like it, I've used it for many, many years, and when I treat the cypress mulch with the preventomite, it don't matter what's crawling in the cypress mulch, it doesn't matter what's crawling off of any snakes into the cypress mulch. It's getting hit with the preventomite. It whether it likes it or not, it's go it's gonna crawl through that stuff and and it doesn't matter. Paper towels, yeah, yeah, that's easy that's really easy. But um it works the same, you know, you spray that stuff out and you treat it and and, and that's it. That's the end of it. It's not a big deal.
1: Yeah. So, what uh, what what are your temps inside the cages and the bins that you have? Like they're they seem very tall. Is that because you try to give perching or just uh, is are those it even allows, for stress those it, cages?
3: You know what it allows me to do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, it just okay cause, yeah because I I can put. I can put grapevine in there. I can put perches. I can put green tree pythons in those if I need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I can. I can do virtually anything that I need to do in those tall tubs. It just gives me a lot of versatility, and I can even pull. You know, I can pull big. But I have I have a couple of big uh, morph yellow anacondas that at some point I'll get those into some videos as well. But even even cleaning a cage, you know, I, I can pour one of those into one of those big tubs while I'm cleaning. You know, it's it's permanent enclosure, and right? No big deal. If I had the same footprint but a real low tub, it's not going to work. You know, it's a no. big girthy snake, but something big like that it would be no different than if I was, you know, going to go transport one to an expo or something and be the same kind of transport tub. So it just allows me to – and also, too, um, I can put lots of different stuff in the tall tubs. If I need mm-hmm. to throw some monitors in there or whatever temporarily in that particular size, they they can't climb up to the top, you know, and it just kind of keeps everything settled. So I like them a lot. I, I wish I converted over to those a long time ago. It's just a lot easier.
0: Are they uh, custom-built? Cool. Like you built them, or
3: did you buy them? Yeah, I had um, I had one of the one of my local cage builder guys uh, make make those make all the melamine for those tubs. So they all have flex watt uh, bottom heat in the back. Uh, anything? Let me think. Any, yeah, all the white melamine cages that you see in the videos, is all manufactured by the same person. So it's just it's all just I mean very basic. It's that old like Sanmar concept from way back in the day where it's just a uh, white melamine with flex watt ran on the bottom and the back right. bottom heat. though. I don't really like the back heat stuff. I like the bottom heat better. I've had both and over the years, you know, I've bought some used racks or whatever with the back heat and I just didn't like the back heat that much. I prefer the yeah. bottom. Heat. I think it's better for digestion and stuff.
1: So what do you have them set at like, uh, High 80s kind of deal, or yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, up, okay. upper 80s. Um, usually about 88 is where I'll go. In the winter time, sometimes I'll bump it up just a tad uh, because the ambient will drop down, kind of cool. And then uh, in the summer, like right now, we're kind of starting to cool off from the summer. But I have the temperatures uh, toned back just a little bit, probably more like 87, just because the ambient inside the room is always kind of kind of warm anyway and then i have a i i have different levels so the the i have thermostats running high high level cages and i have thermostats running the low level cages just to try to be a little more accurate because obviously heat rises so anything that's up real high especially for as tall as i go to the very top ceiling it's way warmer up there so yeah and then i also strategically will place animals that uh some of the animals that don't like the heat so much, I'll put those animals, I'll house them on the bottom where it's mm-hmm. going to be cooler blur ambient anyway. And then um, and animals that don't care, I'll move them all the way to the top or stuff that likes likes a bit higher heat because it's hard to control 100% anyway. Yeah. You
1: yeah even you with the thermostat.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's mm-hmm. a weird dynamic.
1: So, what's your approach to like feeding and diets? Like, you know, I, I think one of the main problems with scrubs is hideous amounts of overfeeding. So, what do you end up doing with the uh, diet?
3: Yeah, what I do the the babies I feed weekly, but I feed small, very small. I feed them every week because um, they're babies and they're growing. And I notice that if I if I skip weeks and go every two weeks with babies, if I apply more of that adult feeding regimen to babies. they they just get a little too skinny for me because I don't feed scrubs Mm -hmm. big big meals no matter what. They're just not, in my opinion, they're just not the animal that does well with big, gigantic meals. So all my scrub pythons get get overly small-sized meals, and with the babies, because they're growing up pretty fast and they're metabolizing their food and everything, I feed them on a weekly basis, and then... um, the mid-sized ones I'll do every two weeks, and the big adults I usually feed those once every two to three weeks, just kind of a moderate-sized meal, and uh, okay. they do they do quite well like that. And I have some scrub pythons also. I mean, we're talking about rodents here, but I have some scrub pythons that they, you know, they were wild-caught animals and they fed on rodents. Like you know, rats in the beginning, and then all of a sudden, went off of rodents, and then all of a sudden they went back to birds. So, you know, so I'm feeding them like quail and chicks and that sort of stuff. So of course I have to kind of double up on some of those meals because it's a lot of feathers and a lot of not as much meat and protein and stuff. So, uh, but I still will do the same like on the same regimen while feed them. You know, just feed them what I think is appropriate amount of food, but I'll do it like every two to three weeks on the adults. Okay. So, yeah, they, they, they seem to do a lot better
4: that way. And,
3: uh, and I just adjust it because uh, scrub pythons, you can kind of bulk them up somewhat fast, and you can also trim them down kind of fast also. Yeah, yeah different than other snakes. So um, they're easy to adjust.
1: So it's not really that big of a – there's some wiggle room. If you end up thinking that somebody's too chunky, you can kinda of back off for a little bit.
3: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's good. Definitely. That's
1: good. Uh Eric, do you want to do that yeah. now? Sure. Go for it. We have uh
0: we have a caller that has a question for you, Dan. Um Yeah, sure. Yes.
4: Just so you know what that looks like when you, you decide ready? not to be
0: there
4: Brandon. For Brandon, Brandon, yo, what's going on? Oh, come on, on. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gentlemen, what's going on? How are you doing
0: tonight? Good. How are you?
4: Good, good, good. Yeah, I'm excited to hear you on here, man. I have a couple of questions for you. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so, uh, the, I know I'm going to butcher the name, free to make fun of me, uh, but I, I had a Moluccan python. Yes, go ahead, laugh now. I had a mm-hmm. Moluccan python uh, for a long time. You know, I raised from a hatchling up into adult, and, you know, she's fantastic. Unfortunately, I had to get rid of her. But she was actually super sweet and super tame, unless I had, you know, a rat in my hand or something like that. Otherwise, it was crazy time. Uh, would you say that that's, kinda of tip more typical of that species? Would you say they're a little more chilled out than the rest of the localities, or is she just special? Is there any specific locality that you've worked with you would consider more laid back and a little bit easier for somebody just getting into scrubs, you know, not regarding size, just personality?
3: Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, I think overall I've seen more docile Malucan than the other other localities, um, just sort of to generalize, but for example, the two that I have right now are they do not like me <laughs> at all. So, um, but I I think over all my years of, of dealing with those, I've seen more docile ones than real defensive ones. But as far it, if somebody asked me the same question, but based on all the different localities, I think I would say that I've seen more docile Southerns, Moroke animals than any of the other localities.
4: Okay.
3: Yeah, right, just to okay. kind of generalize.
4: You know, I don't think I've ever actually had the pleasure of working one with one that was captive bred. They've all been fresh import and full of ticks and full of mites, and I just couldn't hold it against them, you know what I mean?
3: Right, right, right. <laughs>
4: so all right, cool uh question two uh you know there's a lot that's changed in the carpet Python market within the last let's say you know ten years, but really five, six years as far as all the morphs and different things that are available, and you know it, it's becoming a little more saturated and and uh people are kind of going different directions with things would you would have you seen a increase in the market for scrub Python during that time at all?
3: Oh, yeah, huge. Huge, huge difference over the last. I want to say that the last two years have been incredible. But yeah, over the last like four to five years, um, it w- it kind of first started with the with the whole ball python thing. Um, a lot of those people finally started kind of to branch out. What I'm seeing a lot um, over the last like year or two, and um, you know I don't want to offend anybody, but the I'm seeing a lot of retic people. Um, sort of jumping ship and scrub pythons are kind of new to the market and there's a research in interest in those and they're big and retic people they like big, they like big and gnarly animals and so right. scrubs are kind of, they mm-hmm. kind of fulfill some of that same stereotype I guess and um, I mean let's face it there's a ton of retics coming constantly the lot, a lot, oh, a lot of the breeding, and so a lot of people are kind of going, "Whoa, oh, boy! I don't know if this is where I where I need to be right now." So, yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm seeing a lot of it, but um, I mean that's the beauty of of the whole reptile world is us as keepers, you know, we we can choose to work with pretty much whatever we want, unless you know your local laws or whatever are prohibiting that. But there's just a such a big wide variety. But yeah, man, it's been I, I'm I'm loving it because instead of being the, the oddball at an expo with a bunch of scrub pythons on the table that nobody wants to talk to, like now now everybody wants to talk scrub pythons and it's becoming super popular and so I'm um I'm really happy to see that. Not not from necessarily like a money making standpoint, but I just like to be able to have people identify with me because you know, before I went through like a decade of of ball python stuff, you know, where it's just like, oh, it was it was brutal. I wasn't one of the cool kids at all. <laughs> but yeah, right. and all of a sudden, you know, now it's now it's it's like that. But yeah, scrub pythons are becoming unbelievably popular. And the cool thing about it is, even if I wanted to, I I couldn't. I couldn't mass produce them, I I couldn't get them, you know, from imports or anything like that, I I just, I feel like there's no way that I could even satisfy the, the demand, especially the way it's growing and growing and growing, it seems like it's kind of a cool thing, because I don't have a whole lot of time left in this hobby myself, just because of my age and my, you know, retirement and different things that I've kind of shared with my audience and stuff too, so it'd be really cool to be able to kind of step away and leave a little bit of a legacy, you know, where I can kind of feel responsible for kind of putting a lot of, a lot of these species on the map, so to speak, and, and put, playing a part in, in, you know, kind of broadening people's interests. So, um, it's it's coming,
4: it's coming. I, I, you know, I just, I found two more questions. Uh, how many, uh, Captive clutches have you hatched uh, to date in your uh, in your hobby life, as far as just scrubbing. Uh,
3: it, right it hasn't been a lot. Uh, f- I'm gonna say five. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna say five, okay. and it was all uh, barnex, um, kind of working with the same pool of adults, and there have been some failures as well. The eggs are not. They're not as easy as other eggs, so I had to make some adjustments because I had some losses where, you know, I may give like 13 eggs and coming down down the home stretch, and I'm like, I'm looking at maybe four, you know, after I slowly lose an egg, lose an egg, lose an egg. So um, I kind of, I made some adjustments, and so now I definitely do the no substrate method. Especially for scrub pythons, and they're okay. sitting directly in substrate like you know our old school vermiculite and stuff like that. They just don't do good. They just start to mold out. So, wow,
4: what would which change? kind of kind of leads me into my last question. If there's a couple distinct differences between the way that we breed carpet pythons and what's been successful with scrubs, what what would those be?
3: Oh, boy, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. The first pythons that I ever bred were carpet pythons back in 1997, and it wasn't particularly difficult. Uh, It was just kind of one of those things, feed the females as heavy as I could and put the male in there, and I felt more like the the male's uh, breeding courtship and stuff induced the female to ovulate and do her thing scrub pythons don't don't always act that way as far as being like relentless breeders and doing the courtship and that sort of thing so what i like to do on those guys is feed uh feed like somewhat restricted and then i'm also kind of observing the animals and seeing their behavior um and then i like to start feeding my females a bit heavier and and okay. restricting the males' food a little bit just to keep the males on the lean side that is always kind of something you can apply towards all your different breedings. But um, I kind of combine with the weather outside. I'm looking at I'm looking for rainstorms and that sort of stuff. I'm looking at the behavior of the animals. A lot of times when my males are getting a little restless more than normal, you know, kind of I go in there and I look and oh, why is he out? Why is he out poking around? There's nothing going on. And um, and then the one thing that I do all the time with all my animals is I I palpate for follicles. Even the animals that are super defensive, if I can just get, get them turned around and pointed the other direction and get them to, to move away from me, like back into their cage or something like that, and I just palpate with my hand and I feel for follicles, that's the that's the guaranteed indicator for me. Once I feel follicles, there's a there's a male going in there, and almost all the time, like that's that's how you do it, because that's the that's a female. She's already developing and doing her thing. So once I feel the you know, development, the male will not stop until it's, it, a, it's a done deal.
4: As far as everyone's listening is concerned, I really hope I'm not the only one that has spent the last couple of years trying to feel follicles and just has no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> no, 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 no,
1: you're just, no, I'm right here. Like, it's not like it's someone hosting. So, no, you understand. I understand you. I, I, I can't feel shit or see anything. I never see the swellings or anything like that. So, you're good. You're
3: within good company. <laughs> good. I,
4: you know, I, I always think I do, and then she doesn't lay and I'm wrong and it just, you know, it is what you it know is. what I've
3: done is uh, I've, I've educated a few people on how to do it in person, uh, and it's been a lot with ball pythons because that was kind of how I really developed a feel for it um, back when I was trying to be one of the cool kids with the ball pythons and I would apply that <laughs> same methodology um, because it's it's real easy with the ball pythons because – you're only going to feel like six of them, six or seven of them. If you only feel two of them, it's probably an organ or some fecal matter. If you feel 15 of them or 20 of them or what you think are follicles, you're way off. Like, you know, you're feeling something else. But if you feel six, then you go, okay, that's the right amount. And then once you kind of get to that stage, then you can st- you figure where in the anatomy you should be feeling it. Another thing is is a, a paper towel. Because our hands are oftentimes kind of oily, the snake won't travel through our hand very smoothly. But if you kind of just take one flat paper towel and you, and you hold the snake um, and use the paper towel as a barrier between your hand and the belly of the snake, the snake slides through your hand super smooth and easy. And then you can get your fingers up in there as it travels through. The snake has to relax also. Um, if the snake is feeling like real uncomfortable and tightens up, you will never feel anything. You have to get it to a point where the snake is cruising, sort of out of your hand, but it's relaxed. And when it's relaxed, your fingers will be able to kind of get up into the into the cavity a little bit more. It won't be so rigid and muscular and tight. And once it does, you can kind of you start feeling all kinds of organs and things. And with a with a trained with a trained feel. You can you can go okay okay I'm right in that region and then boom 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 okay there's there's six eggs I got follicles where's this male at so it's just something it, I can't describe it any better than that over you know verbally or or through writing or something but to show somebody it's it's you know obviously it's way better when you can kind of just teach somebody what you're feeling for but once right. you develop a feel for it then. You know there's there's times in breeding season where I can go around I can go around my whole room all the different species, and I'll be writing notes on the glass eight eggs, six eggs, seven eggs, and I'll make all these notes all over the place and and I'm very rarely am I wrong in the egg count it It's pretty amazing I know exactly like how many eggs are coming from each of these huh. animals I've just gotten real good at it. Or if you want to spend a bunch of money, you can get an ultrasound. But I just use my fingers.
1: Yeah, that's a bunch of money I don't want to spend. So I keep trying to get Eric to buy one because if he buys one, I can just like steal it for a weekend and then ultrasound oh, yeah. everything,
3: yeah. and then
1: like give it back. So, uh, but he's been reluctant to do that
3: for me. So yeah, that's and you can probably you know you check yourself and do all kinds of the weird stuff with that thing. <laughs> yeah, I, if, if if I got it, I mean
1: one. Uh, <laughs>
2: Uh, That's what
4: my kidneys uh, look like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. So. But okay. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. No problem. Thanks, Brandon.
4: Take care. Get out
1: of here. (laughs) All right. That's cool. (laughs) I like it how Brandon shows up and like you and I are just like crossing off questions as he's like going through them. We're like, all right, good enough. All right, all right, all right, yep. that section now. All right, cool. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, hooray, we've just like skipped half a page. So yeah. um, anyway, uh, Dan, I, I want to talk white lips because I have a sick obsession with white lips, and sure. you have brought in a brand new locality. Can you? Tell us about that, and can you kind of compare it to some of the other localities that we've been seeing recently?
3: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, they're also from the same region that Tanamara locality. Uh, they've been uh, extremely docile by nature, uh, kind of as you could see in the videos and stuff. Um, the Tamika animals, basically, those have been the southerns that have been around for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. pretty pretty black animals uh, t- just to generalize have been very very defensive uh, kind of difficult to work with but again you know you like something like me and you don't really care uh, you know you just go the distance but um, just those animals have gained that reputation of being extremely defensive I can tell you from my suppliers standpoint that the Tamikas have been very, very prone to respiratory infection and difficult to establish as wild, guys. No. Um, and that's 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 based on his experience. And um, you know, there's a, there's a couple guys that are doing the doing the uh, the Tamikas producing babies, and you know, they're solid as can be because they're way beyond acclimation and all that kind of stuff. Many, many, many years beyond that. Um, but the the new locality is, is from that same area uh they're not quite as black they're they're not gold like the northerns by any means they're they're a range of like a very very dark brown to to uh to a black color uh but the the only differences that i can tell really would be demeanor Generalizing, and then uh, the the color overall is not quite as dark. Um, They have they've proven themselves to be pretty easy to acclimate. Uh, Respiratory issues nowhere near like those of the the tamikas, and some have been bird eaters to start with, at least for the the wildcat stuff. Had to cater to them a little bit with the birds and then get them switched over to rodents. But uh, that's about it, really. Um, full size is pretty much the same. The biggest one that I've ever seen was a male, and he was pushing nine feet uh, and very docile. Um, and then that's about it, really. Uh, I can also tell you that the wildcat stuff has been a ridiculously high male Ratio, uh, really? Re- yeah, ridiculous. And, and I, I mean, I can only attribute that to males being out roaming and getting caught, whereas the females are probably holed up and less common to find, you know, roaming around as males would do. And it's kind of like that with all the different species of, like a wild caught samples. Usually going to be mostly male in most species. Um, but when I got the first group of farm-bred babies, it was exactly 50-50 male-to-female ratio. So, nice. And, and those animals were rodent feeders straight away, right off the bat. Didn't have to do any bird stuff. So the wildcat stuff was a little bit more imprinted on birds, but that also wasn't always the case. It was mostly rodent feeders.
2: Okay.
3: And uh, beyond that, I don't... None have been bred uh, in captivity here yet, because um, they're kind of still pretty new. Um, all those, all the farm-bred babies, you know, they, they're all placed, and then um, and then wild-caught animals were were placed as well. So, um, I would expect it with that amount of animals that they, you know, somebody should be doing something with them here at some point.
1: Yeah, someone should get lucky somewhere. Yeah.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, and, and I, uh, I, I did have a couple of holdback pairs, and as I was selling stuff, I kind of accidentally oversold, and I, huh. I had to move my little holdback pairs to accommodate customers that I had already kind of promised, and so I don't have any myself, and it's probably a good thing because it just would have been. More animals and more shotgun approach, <laughs> and less focus on all the other stuff. So it's okay. I'm I'm good with that.
1: The blessing
0: and the
3: curse. I got you. Yeah. Do you
0: think that they'll be available again? Um,
3: My supplier says don't expect more, but <clears throat> it it also is something that um, he can't you can't really say for certain also because, you know, we're just starting to come into baby season over there. So who knows? I really have no idea. But the first time that I saw these was one of my first trips over there to the farm. And I was Mm -hmm. really blown away. And then I asked for some, and I think I ended up that, that year I got five. And then and then it went a whole year with none, and then moving into the end of last year and, and the beginning of this year, then all of a sudden um, got a got a nice little amount of them. But there's no more, I know there's none on the farm, uh, there's none available right now at the moment, so baby season, just never know. It It could possibly be a repeat of last year, but I don't know. That's just the way all this stuff goes, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. Just you'll go like, look at the Viper Boas. You know, I went three years with none, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, I get a nice little amount, one-time deal, and then now there's right. none again. And then I don't <laughs> know if there's going to be, I don't know if there's going to be more or not. You know, because I was used to seeing maybe like a dozen in a year. That was kind of like the norm. And then all of a sudden I went three years, there was zero. And that's with me like a little kid asking constantly, <laughs> you know, what about viper bowls? what about viper bowls? what about viper bowls?" And then there was just none. And that also is representative of what other people also were experiencing as well because there really weren't any popping up anywhere. And then all of a sudden I got a one-time deal. I got a nice little quantity, um, a few animals, uh, made it out to some other dealers, and they're kind of like all oh, gone again. There's no more, you know. wasn't a lot of people think all of a sudden it's going to be some gigantic influx, and we're going to get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. But yeah, uh, those animals have never been available in those numbers anyway. But it, uh, you know, now they're gone again. So it's it's really hard to predict the future of any of this stuff. Even the scrub pythons. It was just a really good year for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm what happens next year? No idea I got you yeah. so
1: now and do you work with northern the northern or and the southern or just basically the southerns um
3: myself I don't have any of any white lips set up at all okay um, but but i'm I'm happy to this I can tell you this year uh this baby season um. i have I have gone overseas a couple of times. And I've worked very, very closely with my supplier, and uh, and we have worked together to set up certain breeding pairs of animals. So this particular year is hopefully my python year. I'm going to be focusing on pythons. I've really <clears throat> gained a, a strong appreciation for for pythons. So I'm looking I'm looking at hopefully a really good year of um, Fuscus, the water pythons from Papua. Oh, nice. And, yeah, okay. and and Macklock, and Uh-oh. hopefully more white lips, and maybe some mm. more scrub pythons, we'll see. But it's going to be, and then, of course, that one mystery one that I can't say anything about right now because uh, my competitors do real underhanded things sometimes. So I just, mm. I'd rather just keep my mouth shut about stuff until it's actually sitting over here. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I know my competitors aren't, I, I'm not in a competition with anybody. I I do this, as you can tell, to get animals for my breeding projects more than anything else. But for for a lot of the other people, you know, this is their livelihood, and unfortunately they they do pretty underhanded things, and so I just keep my mouth shut, and I prefer not even to sometimes advertise. I just move massive a qu- not massive but i move pretty significant quantities of animals just through private messages and never advertise because it's just better for me when nobody really kind of knows what i'm doing when i'm doing it i'm not posting you know there's a shipment coming tomorrow night i don't i stop doing that it's better to, to remain silent so but anyway but what i can say is that uh this year, I'm, I'm focused on pythons, maybe some, some bolins if I'm lucky. Um, that won't be until March or April, but uh, there's always kind of a scramble to get. Nice. Yeah, Jeez.
1: So Where do we send the blank checks? Yeah. And, like, that directly?
0: <laughs>
1: Does that go directly to D- you, F- and then you just fill I- in the number? Like, Hey, yeah, do we make it out of DM Exotics or you? Um, I already no. filled it out. And it's in the middle. Yeah, mail. Just, 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 just tell me. <laughs> just, 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 just tell me where it goes. Yeah. yeah like, that, that is awesome. Those, and those are some species that I would love to see more of in the hobby. And it's like you're hitting the nail right on the freaking head. And you're like uh, the, the, the guinea fuscus. you're going with, maclots pythons, which these are animals that every time I manage to find one and I buy it at a reptile show, and because I have nowhere else to put it, I put it in my displays and just mark it as sold. They're the right. ones that people like stop and point and be like, "What the hell is
3: that?" Like, yeah, exactly. It's stuff that you know. it's the stuff that nobody wanted back in the day, and now all of a sudden you open people's eyes to all these different things that are out there. And I, I mean, I I am excited about it because you know I've always liked all this weird stuff, but. These are all species that have been been overlooked anyway by most, and so now all of a sudden I feel like I've been planning this already for a while because I've been bringing new animals to the table, and so now I feel like the time is perfect. Let's insert a whole bunch of this other stuff into the hobby, and, and hopefully we won't have the next morph craze. That will push everything back under again. I don't think it's going to happen. I kind of feel like these things are, are they're they're running their race. Uh, some of them are going faster than others based on their reproductive capability, and so you know the things. The ball python thing took so long because market saturation took forever because of the small clutches. Some of the other morph things are reaching saturation on a much faster level. And I think the dynamic of today's market is allowing all, it's it's making room for all these other really cool snakes that have been overlooked all this time. And so I'm, I love that region. Like I told you already, I'm, I, I, I love all that stuff that comes from there, you know, all those, that weird bleed over from Australia and all that cool stuff. And and this is a year, you know. I I gained the respect of my of my supplier. We set up, you know. I kind of helped coerce him into setting up some breeding projects, and and so hopefully this this will be the year I can get a, a bunch of that stuff over here. So kind of excited about it. He actually he, he kind of joking but kind of serious. It's like you want to buy this farm, and it's like. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it, it sounds great. Yeah, it sounds great, you know, to, you know, sit there with, you know, one of the biggest and nicest farms and all the the power. And imagine what your ego would do, you know, and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Play puppet master and, you know, just do all this stuff. But (laughs) it's a lot of work and a lot of headache. And because I've been over there, I've seen... What it takes to get just one shipment out, you know running from this government office to this government office to the next one, and getting all these permits that expire forty eight hour permits and oh it's no way dude i'm I'm good but uh but at Jeez. least at least we've we've become close enough to where where i've I've gained the respect and been able to you know kind of tell them, look. I want this stuff. I'll commit to all this stuff. Let's set these things up for breeding. You got a huge farm, like let's do this. you know and so so hopefully, this will be the year to we'll kind of see the fruits of all that labor and all those plane tickets and trips and and whatnot. but at the same time i'm I'm just excited about at the thought of being able to bring all these new things to to the hobby i mean white nah. on you know that was kind of a little bit of an accident stumbling into a new locality, but it was, you know, so many people were like, "Oh, I had this, I had this Tamika, but it was so freaking mean. I had to finally get rid of it. It was such an ass." And I, I heard that from so many people. And then now all of a sudden, here comes from Papua another bizarre one, you know, a, a docile one, and and I, I feel like I got that thing inserted pretty well into the hobby, you know, put a bunch of pairs out there. So let's keep going, you know, let's 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 try to. Preserve and get a bunch of this other stuff out there. Water pythons, those are some cool snakes. I mean, I, I've handled mm-hmm. them numerous times on the farm. They are really, really neat. I mean, they're not super colorful and flashy, but they're they're different. You know, they're kind of a mix of all the different pythons physically, and and it's just just neat stuff. And Maclots are cool. You know, it's different. Love them. And yeah, yeah. Some neat stuff out there. So. Oh, we'll see hopefully this winter november december is uh is kind of when baby season starts for most of the pythons and it'll run all the way kind of through february and then the Boland's Pythons are the only ones that run late. It's more like a March or April thing but but we'll see we'll see what all what I can do. We'll try
1: awesome. so like what do you think is some of the things that you should really be concerned about when establishing a white lip in captivity because uh we've heard horror stories about hydration and you know stuff like that is that they need to keep um, stop messaging me while I'm talking, Eric. Um they need to keep like <laughs> wet or they're all gonna or they dry out easy. have you seen anything like that kinda of going or uh what would you think to kinda of combat that?
3: Um no I haven't really had any any major issues? Uh, some of them have arrived a little bit, uh, maybe dehydrated a little bit. Um, I mean, it could be other issues, but some of them some of them have arrived a little bit um, in that condition, which could be a couple different things. But they usually snap back pretty well. Um, I've had some that refused to feed for quite a while and then all of a sudden kicked in but uh, for the most part they've been pretty easy I haven't been doing anything different Um, same like the scrub pythons because I just I treat them the same because you know like I, I keep name dropping this tanamera scrub pythons I'm keeping a certain way they're from that region so I do the white lips exactly the same water bowl, hide box. I don't, I'm not as concerned with, um, with the soaking issue with the white lips though. For them, I would Mm -hmm. give them big water bowls and, and, uh, they usually will choose a hide over soaking for some reason. So I haven't had any of the issues with like over soaking or anything like that with those. So I'll give them a big water bowl and a hide and cypress mulch and tub them out one by one by one and offer live food. And I've had a, really high, high percentage of success with those.
2: Yeah.
3: Okay.
0: Why do you think, um, do you have any thoughts on why they're more difficult to breed in captivity than, you know?
3: I have no idea on that one. Um, mainly because I've never bred them or, or worked with any long term. So okay. I don't have any personal observations to add to that, but I do know that they you know they definitely are somewhat uh, less prolific than other pythons, but I'm not sure why. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, just yeah. curious. All right.
0: Um, I guess um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Indo farm and uh, just the process of importing animals. Um, y- you talked about you know, um, trying to get your scrub python collection going. You know that you, you you got in there with these guys just because I think you had mentioned that you know being on the West Coast you were getting you know C picks and D picks and you know everybody else is getting uh, top priority. Like, what's that process like? How difficult is that to get going? Um, not that I think everybody should run out and do it. I'm just curious of like you know how you even go about that kind of relationship with an importer, like starting that?
3: You know, that there's so many factors to it. Um, even boiling it down to the point of just being a, 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 an interesting person to the importer or to the exporter, being kind, uh, sort of earning some respect, just whether or not you click a lot of times, um, how you look, I I feel like a lot of the basic things that we would like, you know, if you go to a mall and you walk by people and you're constantly judging people, whether you whether you know you're doing it or not, or whether you like right. it or not, but you're judging everybody by, you know, oh look, that's the fat guy, and the skinny guy, oh that guy works out and oh he's got you know this nose piercing and what, and like you know you're like constantly processing all these things and sure, I, I kind of feel like you know, you're a stranger, you're just coming straight out of the blue, and um, and you're just a guy, and I just, you know, you, you're no different than anybody else, and I feel like you're, oh, you, you have to kind of say the right thing, do the right thing, act the right way, um, and just sort of be, just kind of be what that person respects, or whatever, I guess, so a lot of it is just boils down to just very basics like that um you don't want to come on too strong you don't want to be a know-it-all you don't want to be fake um you know just like all all those different things come into play so i just happened to meet certain people and we clicked and i guess i acted humble enough and kind enough and and whatever and and Mm -hmm. it just it just worked out and uh uh i i could write i could probably write a book of my little memoirs of the crazy <laughs> situations that i got myself into but um i found myself like really down after a bunch of failures and up on top after some successes and and it's just been a really weird weird thing i can tell you that um I'm very, very proud of what I've done, although being a little bit older and a little bit smarter and wiser now, I don't know if I would have taken on that challenge. I think I was a little bit more adventurous, a little bit more maybe naive to the world mm-hmm. a little bit so i kinda I found myself headed in some really weird directions with some kind of strange characters and things from overseas but somehow I just kind of my guardian angel sort of <laughs> guided <laughs> me in the right directions and um and it I worked had a out few failures. Yeah, I had a few failures, but uh by a stroke of luck I found my way to one guy and that kind of led to in a roundabout way led to another one and so I'm very happy where I am right now because um, I have two main suppliers, one in Malaysia, one in Indonesia, and they both become close personal friends of mine, and and uh, we have really great friendship and good personal, um, good business relationships as well. So I I don't know if it would even be worth it for anybody to go do what I did. I kind of feel mm-hmm. also that I I did it about maybe. Ten, fifteen, twenty 15, 20 years too late because mm-hmm. the window of opportunity, you know, things are a lot different now. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with the advent of the Internet and people can, you know, research you and, and everybody kind of knows each other and stuff or at least knows of each other. But um, I kind of feel like I was one of the last guys to do it because I know people have done it, all the old, you know, all the old timers that have, you know, they're all well-known and stuff, although I've never, you know, been, uh, been to jail behind any of this stuff or, or you know, broken any laws and things, but um, I didn't, I didn't like make my claim to fame by, you know, doing wrong, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of like the last, last of the Mohicans that kind of <laughs> did some cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and it does, it, it's paid off many times because I'm not just a guy on the other end of the phone or, or an email address. You know, I'm, I'm the guy, Oh, you know, your daughter wants a, okay, what kind of skateboard is this? You know, I'll, I'll go pick that up before I fly out. There
0: you Yeah.
3: So we're, we're pretty tight.
0: That's cool. That's awesome. Um, what is the actual farm like? I mean,
3: It is, um, I mean, there's different farms, and I haven't been to uh, any of the other ones. I've seen some photos and things. Uh, There's some nice ones. There's some very, very basic ones, some that I probably wouldn't use the word farm. But my supplier's farm is kind of like a miniature, like, reptile park slash botanical garden. It's done, you know, there's a, there's a, aside to this particular supplier that he enjoys the brickwork and statues and meandering you know, pathways and things and um and it's 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 beautiful. It's a really
1: awesome.
3: nice place to visit. And uh and he teaches the uh, the Wildlife Authority, he holds seminars and he teaches them uh, educates them in how to identify, you know, certain species or commonly uh, illegally trafficked animals. Um, he's put together, you know, like little handbooks on how to identify certain species, you know, when they're like intercepted at the airports and that sort of thing. So um, yeah. there's a quite, quite a bit of legitimacy there. It's not just some, you know, weird... <laughs> falsely represented thing it's a it's it's legit it's it's really really nice
0: cool all right um is that the one is the one that you have you have a video of one where you went to the farm is that is that the one you're talking about
3: yeah actually there's two two videos two different trips but yes it's it's that that's the same okay. same location
0: yeah cool all right um and, you know, in one of the videos you mentioned about import quotas for scrub pythons, and now that they you know, broke them up into, I'm, I'm assuming it's following species, does that yeah. affect anything? Yeah,
3: it did. Yeah, it used to be, um, I think the annual quota, everything was lumped under amethystina. They did not have any of the other species broken, you know, oftentimes uh Animals are constantly being renamed and reclassified, and sometimes it takes uh, years for the databases in all these different countries to catch up. So the quota—it used to be everything would export as Amethystina, and then um, you know, regardless if it was one of the other species. And I think the annual quote, export quota was like 270 wild-caught animals, and so now Amethystina is uh, 135, and then they've um, taken. The 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 remainder has been broken up. So, uh okay. is forty five, Nauda is forty five, and Tracye is forty five. So that does kind okay. of mess things up because Klaus <clears throat> and Nauda, and Tracye those those three species you're never going to see forty five animals leave that country of each of those species. I mean, yeah. So all it did was kind of take a take a big bite out of the amethystina, but personally, I don't mind, because, I mean, I'd like to see all these quotas drop considerably, uh-huh. because, you know, I'm always kind of torn between the whole wild thing, and so, I, personally, I have no problem with all these numbers dropping. Um, even the the Patias-Carnatus, I think last year was 68, and this year it's uh, 27 annual export quota. So I was actually kind of kind of happy to see drop yeah, so because you know I already have a good amount of animals established. I placed a, a few of those animals, and anybody else that's trying to get them just basically flipping them, you know. And so yeah. right do real well. So um, I kind of feel like you know that that was that was okay. But uh, there's also a reproductive quota, which doesn't – different than the wild caught stuff because um, (coughs) farms are are allowed to, I guess, addition and add certain breeding projects to their farm. And so um, there's like some sort of formula where it's like, okay, you maintain 1.2 parental stock, therefore – two females times, you know, so many clutches, so many eggs. And they have, like, there's some weird formula where it will equal so many eggs maximum. So if you have a farm and you have registered, um, say, amethystina as part of your parental stock, and you have two Mm -hmm. females, and then it may equal, like, 35, 35 babies allowed to export as captive bred from the farm. Okay. Then, so that so that way, they're, what they're trying to prohibit is would be babies being collected from the wild, um, or possibly, I guess, babies being bought from hobbyists or something, and then being exported as, uh, what you know, they're they're as being produced from their parental stock. So they do have gotcha. those things in place. And then also, um, I learned this kind of recently that the Wildlife Authority will come out to the farms about every three months, and they will inspect and they will note what parental stock you have and compare it to what that particular farm has, um, like, petitioned and and registered themselves as working with. So say, for example, if you have, say you have um, Tannenbar scrub pythons registered on your farm and they came the last time, three months ago, and you didn't have any parental stock, but now here you are three months later and you want to export ten captive bred babies, they just go back and refer to their, their inspection and they go, well, that's impossible. You didn't have tenan bars when we inspected last time. So we're right. not going to issue you a permit for captive bred because obviously those weren't produced on your farm. so well, I like that. that. that? Yeah, it's actually quite a bit yeah. more strict than than what people think. You know, they they there there are some good intentions there, and they they try to they try to kind of control a lot of that stuff. So kind of interesting, you know.
2: Yeah,
3: a lot of people don't talk about it, and the main reason for that is a lot of people don't know about it. You know, even importers, they they don't go over there, they don't get involved in all this stuff. They just put orders. They just put in their orders, you know, and make it happen. You
2: know. Right. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Some of them are a little bit more, more, uh, more difficult than others. You know, or practically, you know, badgering people. I don't care what you have to do. You make that happen. You know what I mean? And like so. And you right. get me those
1: animals,
3: they're, yeah. Start having, yeah, not good business relationships. But that um, that's so kind of interesting. I, I feel also from. From as an importer, the more that I understand and and learn about this whole process and how things work, then I don't have to be I'm not asking for the impossible you know I'm always asking for things that are within the scope of what's possible, and we alleviate all that other nonsense where I send mm-hmm. a message and say, "Hey, get me you know I need sixty bowlen's pipe you know it's, it's like
2: you, know, so
3: you go through, you know all this all this time-wasting stuff So I have a really good understanding Of how a lot of this works And there's a lot of stuff that I don't know But I feel like I I ask the questions And and my supplier's cool He he likes to educate And talk about how the things work You know Because I know it's a pain in the ass I know it's not, not an easy process To do any of that stuff So it's kind of It's good for me I like it
1: Cool So you, Dan, your whole point of bringing in these animals from the farm or from wild caught is obviously to establish a captive born and bred breeding program in the United States so that you won't have to bring in any or you bring in less
3: of the wild caught or farm raised animals, correct? It is, but I don't want to sound like, you know, holier than now. Got I, it. <laughs> I, will, I will admit that I am still the hobbyist that I was when I was a teenager. So I Mm -hmm. still have that, I still have that spark in me where I am a true hobbyist. So Uh I still, I still, let's see, how can I put this? I still have that desire to, to get these animals, even for myself, for my own breeding projects. Um, I can't save the world. I can't, you know. I I realize that I'm I'm not going to be able to establish animals so they could never be imported again. I think the more realistic part of it would be, I'm trying to get these animals into captivity before maybe U.S. Fish and Wildlife kind of shuts down the whole import thing. And mm-hmm. and I'm, and believe it or not, I am cool with that because. I, I, there is always an internal struggle. When I was younger, I didn't care. I was—I always had this weird mentality where I was like, "Oh, these animals are destined for, for the barbecue. They're destined to become wallets. They're slash and burn the forest. Look at look what I'm doing for all these animals. I'm setting them up in breeding and captivity and all that stuff. But, you know, I, is that really, is that really realistic? Because uh, now when I, when I Creep around on social media and stuff And I I, It seems like Constantly I see people They'll see some Cool picture of some animal And they'll be like That's That's what I want How can I get that How can I get that Mm -hmm. And and like now I look at that Even though I kind of identify with that But now I look at that And I go Why do we as humans Have to get everything Like Leave it Like like what's wrong with Leaving it where it is You know (laughs) And I think part of that is my, all my travels and seeing things in the wild. And you know, I I used to go, oh look at what I'm doing for this animal. It was it it used to live in a jungle. It had to fight for its food. It didn't eat very well. And now look, I feed it every week. It has fresh water and all this other stuff. And then and then here I go take a take a trip to the jungle. Well, why is it that every single animal that I see in the jungle, in absolute perfect condition, almost better than what I have at home. And it's like because it's right. nature. That's where it's supposed to be. You know? Right. And so I had to start changing a lot of my philosophies and my excuses and different things. But I'm just being brutally honest. I'm a hobbyist still. I'm not I'm not nickel and diming this stuff. I'm not trying to make millions of dollars. I'm still a hobbyist and I took those trips overseas not to get rich. I took those trips overseas to get some really cool animals for myself. And it just so happens that I'm getting cool animals for myself and you guys. And right. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to like rape and pillage as I do it. I'm try I'm not breaking any laws while I'm doing it. It's still a legitimate business. There's a process to it. I'm not I'm not shoving lamp to notice down the front of my pants. I'm, you know what I mean? Like I'm, uh-huh. I'm doing I'm just doing I'm doing everything like within the law. But I do, I do constantly kind of struggle a little bit morally with with it. So I, I I feel great when I can breed all these things in captivity and I can kind of start changing people's perspectives and and doing that sort of thing. But um, the day that I retire, I the hobbyist part of me will continue to burn, but I won't miss the that that moral struggle with importing animals cuz i uh-huh. yeah it you know, it's it's weird and it comes with maturity you know and it's just uh i know it's i'm probably completely contradicting myself but it's just the way the way it is and that's the way, the way i am you know it's just i'm 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 still a hobbyist and i still want certain things but if i can accomplish other things while i'm doing it i don't it's Kind of a complicated mess, but um, no, at
2: least I, I have.
3: A, I, yeah, at least I have the intelligence to kind of acknowledge it and think about it, and it's 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 on my mind rather than just you know. Oh, I just mm-hmm. got one thousand toke geckos. I need to mark <laughs> everything up a nickel. Yes. So I, at least make back my my broker's fee. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, oh. I, I, that's that's not my game. You know, I, other people are doing that. I'm not doing that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I think it's, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, doing this show for, for as long as we've done it, it seems like that's always the case. It's like you need you need it all, you know? It's like, oh, I have yeah. to have yeah. that. <laughs> I have to have that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, totally. And it's a, it's especially hard when you're talking to people, I know for me and Owen, it's like, you know, every yeah, know, week right? you're talking to a new guest and they're super excited they're about what they're working with business. and you're like yeah. you're like, oh, man. They I never realized that they were so cool
2: i i I gotta have that,
0: you know it's uh yeah
1: it's oh yeah, cool totally <laughs> <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah I, that's that's how the collection gets out of control when you know you have things like white lips and all that other uh was it I got the all of the max i think i when we started the show, I had like just coastal carpet pie and now I got like everything, so yep,
0: yeah, I mean. Yeah. I'm just, I mean, personally for me, I, I, I got involved with the carpet Python morphs and stuff and, you know, that kind of overtook the majority of my collection, but I don't know, the more and more, like I, I've always kind of uh, focused on uh, IJs and selective breeding them, you know, but um, the more and more I'm, I guess, you know, just like you just said, comes with maturity. It's like, um, I don't want to be dealing with this whole morph game anymore. You know, it's, I'd rather be working with, uh, you know, just species of pythons and, you know, breed them and even if it's just a pair of, you know, whatever, um, whether it's scrubs or maclots or water pythons, you know, um, I don't know. That's that's where my head is, you know.
3: So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always going to be those those species that you're partial to, you know, and that you're passionate sure. about and that you really like and and you know there's nothing wrong with that you know i and i I take some pride in in trying to breed things for the first time and bring bring new things to the market and that it is um it is a hobby and a and a pastime that has kept me grounded my entire life i and like that that statement is not an excuse that is that's the truth. You know where I was, mm-hmm. I've always been a responsible keeper, and I've always, you know, you, even even the youngsters coming up. You know, you learn how to how to take care of an animal. You learn how to respect an animal, and you learn the value of of living creatures. And then it how it translates to nature and and um, the environment and and earth and and bigger things as well. And you know, as a I was never the kid that you know just just footballs sports and and you know just like all the all the mm-hmm. other distractions. and i didn't grow up in an era of video games and all these other things like i i was always kind of a dreamer and always sort of kind of consumed with where this animal came from and what's it like there and you know and like i just kind of
2: mm-hmm. it
3: just kept me grounded all the way through childhood and and it's i mean there's a lot of a lot of other far worse things that you could be doing as a pastime you know and then you know, look at look at all of us we're all hmm. a bunch of you know we're all adults we're still doing the same things we did when we were young it's still like it never left us you know but right. uh, you know there's far worse things you get involved in that's for sure especially today <laughs> yeah that,
1: that's, that's
2: that is true.
3: true Yeah, get
1: into reptiles you'll have no money for anything else illegal and or bad <laughs> yeah right exactly
3: <laughs>
1: perfect right there Yep. Yeah. Keep shit, that, you know,
3: so keep that cage clean too. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. You got no time either. Yeah. You're right there. So, uh, Dan, we I know we did this before um, when you were on the show, but I think we're gonna do it again uh, just because I think the answers may have changed, and that's the uh, closing questions. Yep. And uh, it would be if you could work with any species. In the world, without limitations, whether it be law or how much they cost, what would it be and why?
3: Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that question. Um, <laughs> obviously, I, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for this one. Um, you, you know, I, I can't, I can't give you an actual like species or anything but it probably uh-huh. would not be reptile related um okay because of where i live and how i live and the laws and everything it would probably something be something mammal related you know something that i something that's new and completely okay yeah I, but <laughs> i have no idea
1: right. uh what I did I, I say I, last you're time
3: you don't if you asked me that question last time, what did I say last time?
1: Oh, God, I don't remember.
3: it <laughs> so I don't think we. I don't think we asked that back then. We didn't ask one. this
1: one. Oh, my no, God, we didn't we ask didn't.
0: these questions See? back then. Wow. God, that
1: was a while ago. Anyway. So then you're off the hook. <laughs> you gave a. You didn't give us an answer last time, so this is cool. Yeah. So, that's, yeah. Consistent. Yeah. Right. Battles are fine. You can pick whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> so
3: yeah. Um,
1: now, Dan, if you could go field herping or, for, in your case, I will say exploring anywhere in the world without limitations, where would you go and what would you be hoping to find or run into?
3: I'd head back to Papua in a heartbeat, and I would <laughs> still be looking to knock down uh, green tree pythons or scrub pythons off my list. That would just really do it for me. It would bring, bring it all full circle because I feel like once once you see something that you're working with in the wild, it, like, totally changes your perspective. That's cool. Yeah.
1: That would be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? And if somebody wanted to uh, check out your collection, how would they do that too?
3: Uh, email... Um, Dan at DMexotics.com. You can get there through my website at DMexotics.com. Uh, social media, I have a fan page, DMexotics, although I don't update that fan page that often. Um, my private page, Dan Malaria, is the one that I'm um, most active on. It's just easier rather than switching between the two. And then um, I have a YouTube channel also, uh what is it? I think it's DM Exotics, but if you type in my name or Reptile Reality um, or DM Exotics, it'll all, you'll find it, find the channel. But you can message me through there, and I respond to all the comments, um, except the bad ones. I usually just kind of leave those floating, because I figure, you know, if somebody wants to Forget comment. Forget guys. Yeah, you know what? There's not many of them, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, I think I'm not that popular. If I was more popular, I'd have more Goofy comments, but um, I just kind of leave those out there. I like I rather than respond to it because it, I figure as people read it, they go, Oh, huh, look at look at this tool, you know. And like <laughs> yeah. I don't even respond to it because exactly. it's, it's a stupid comment. I just leave, I like to leave it there. <laughs> I could delete it, but I figure, ah, you know what? Let this dipshit let him just soak in it. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. <laughs>
2: That's good. I like that.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: yeah. <I> <laughs> very strategic. I'm still not the empty can when I speak I try to have something you know worthy to say and sometimes it's better just to be quiet and and let them marinate you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome oh man well uh yeah that was a lot of info I'm gonna have to go back and listen to this uh thank you for coming on and uh anytime man when you get that project, whatever that secret project is, you know the secret oh, one yes. is, yeah. <laughs> Come will, on and let um, us yeah, know. Yeah, you know what?
3: <laughs> I, I definitely will, because if it, uh, I, I'm just gonna be safe and say if it happens. But I'm, I'm told when it happens, probably by the end of the year, it gets here. It, it's gonna be pretty noteworthy. And I apologize cool. for not being able to to share it. No, no but, it's cool. Uh, it's just we best totally understand. i stay quiet about it for right now, but um yeah, yeah absolutely. It's something I definitely want to share with everybody.
1: Awesome. Mm.
0: Cool. Yeah. Right. Well, we look forward to it. <laughs> definitely. So, all
3: right, sounds good you guys. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks Dan. All thanks, right, Dan. Take
0: care. Bye. Awesome show. Awesome show. Dan's a cool guy. I like him. Very chilled, yeah. laid back tons of info a guy
1: a guy who we're living vicariously through gets to go traveling of course then i get to live vicariously through you soon but we won't get into that
0: (laughs) well the uh the the one thing i would definitely recommend if you have not checked out uh uh dan's youtube page which i have linked up yeah um definitely should check it out he's got tons of cool videos on there and uh, like I said, it's my favorite uh, YouTube channel um, when it comes to reptiles. I think it's the best one, hands
1: down. So, well, he's got he's got and, and the variability in scrub pythons is absolutely incredible. And he points that stuff out and just beautiful animals all around. So definitely cool. Um, I'm going to, to add him to my YouTube list, which means I'll probably end up watching that when I'm supposed to be like you know working or working? something i don't know. <laughs> yeah. you know we'll hear you.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: We'll keep that quiet.
0: Um <laughs> the uh um i i recently pulled the trigger on a pair of southern's from Dan and then those animals are yeah. spectacular. Um i'm really uh really digging the fact that i got them again and you know i yeah. think i think we've said a million times with, I think the thing now is for me is holding on to those projects because, uh, like I said, I, I I get them and then I bail on them because I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm happy in my comfort zone so to speak, and you know, I, I don't know, I guess like what what Dan was saying with maturity or just getting old or whatever it's. I don't know. I...
1: <laughs> <laughs> you just want easy snakes that make babies and don't have to try to rip your face off every five minutes. You must. Yeah, be but old. no. It's
0: like. It... <laughs> no, no. Now I want to work with it. You know, I don't know. I just. Oh uh, no! You're just having, psychotic. Yeah, just so. having those species to want to. I mean, I'm telling you, man. If you go check out his YouTube, well, you know. I mean, you've had barnack stuff, think- and. Yeah, you know, you know how nice they can be. You know, they're beautiful animals. They're,
1: they're pure joy. I mean, they're nothing but rainbows and sunshine and scale form. Well, I wouldn't say all that, but uh, I no, I wouldn't definitely. say that at all. But but I do know that it, it they're they they're some of the coolest animals. And dude, you're talking to the guy who is the king of you know. I had this project. I worked with it, and we bailed on the project. Damn it! I should get that project back again. This is like my third pair of fuscus. Because I kept bailing on them. And now it's at the point where I'm like, screw it. You are stay until you make babies. And I have the worst female out of all the females ever. And I have a male that is so-so about eating. It's like I, I painted myself into this corner with these animals. So it's, that's the way it is. But it, they're animals that you want. And get the animals that you want. So if you want scrubs, get the Southerns. Have fun with your Southerns. There yeah. you go.
0: Yeah, eventually I'll get some northern stew, but you know, all good things come with
1: time. Um. Give, me, give me some time. I'll get you some jays. You let, yeah. give me give me about a year, two years. I'll get you some jays because then we can do trading for, God knows what you'll have that I'll want.
0: <laughs> yeah, excellent. Um,
1: <laughs> good.
0: <laughs> uh, let's see. All right. So next week we have Matt Turner coming on. We're going to be night. talking about. Blood pythons and short tail pythons and of course we are not going to have Matt Turner on the show and not talk about his jungle
1: carpet pythons
0: jungle carpet pythons
1: we Um talk about jungle carpet pythons on Morelia Python radio yeah just saying exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> you said the C word how dare so you sorry. <laughs>
1: I'm
0: uh, so sorry all right oh <laughs> But uh, that'll be an awesome show. Uh, it will be. I'm I'm looking forward to talking with uh, Matt. I, I I met him at Tinley Park, um, and was he has me
1: because I haven't met him yet. No. So yeah, it must have been no. A he
0: was there. I walked over what? there with Matt, the other Matt, Matt Minutola. He uh he introduced sure, me to brought,
1: him. So you decided to bring Matt Minitola instead of the co-host of the radio show with you over there to be Matt Turner. I don't know what you were doing, doing, man. No, no, you, you and me, you and me are gonna fight until no. we get off air. Okay, kids? what it no, is? We're is we <laughs> were talking
0: about short tail pythons, and you could care oh, less because I think at the time you you had that evil monster from da-
2: <laughs> yeah, you had
0: that evil huh. monster from Lon, and you're like, no, nope, I don't nope, care. Nope, nope, nope.
1: <laughs> so I was like probably standing right next to you, just my eyes were glassed over and I wasn't paying attention. So yeah. yeah,
0: he has you know. some beautiful animals, man. Some really nice stuff. Selective Origins is the name of his uh reptile business. Um so check it out. So it should be an awesome show. Um yeah. and after that we're doing a retick show. Um That should be Looking uh neat. that should be a fun one too, I think. Uh we're gonna be uh and then uh right after that we're doing um our good friend Matt Minnetola from Philly Herp. And after yep. that is the five year anniversary show. Oh my with God. Special guest yeah. Rob Stone. And uh, uh, full of surprises <laughs> in that one.
1: <laughs> I am so terrified. It's like I can't even, <laughs> I can't even get into how scared I am what Rob is yes. doing.
0: So. Uh, yeah. It should be awesome. Yep. So uh northwest carpet fest don't forget is this saturday september 10th and um you should uh it's in seattle washington so if you're up in that area um you should definitely go by and check it out they're going to be doing the auction for uh mm-hmm. u.s Ark. so uh, i think they're splitting it up uh i forget exactly how they were but they're going to take some off the top to help pay for carpet fest and then um I think they're donating some for the uh design of the T shirts and then after that everything else is going to US Arc. Um, nice. so yeah, it's a good time. Uh and we're we're I'm I'm I wanna see what Nick does. Uh that's always a
1: uh they're a going fun to kill time. Him. They're <laughs> gonna kill him one day. I mean Yeah. One of these um, days, they're gonna accidentally kill Nick, and we're gonna yeah. be like, "Well, that happened." So.
0: Wow, my buddy is gone. <laughs> what am I gonna do? <laughs> um,
1: you and me getting on a plane to Spokane is what we're doing. But I'm just, uh, I, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll be very sad about it. So yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, he's always doing some crazy shit, like taking an ice bath, getting smacked in the face, eating uh, a rat, eating a rat you know. Yeah. Eh. guy has got
1: some balls. Yeah. They Scrapple <laughs> at ours, but you know, <laughs> it's not much but difference, it's right? It's <laughs> kind of like a rat. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure it is um, a rat.
0: <laughs> so Carpet fest is just one of those things that uh if you if you have the opportunity to attend one, you definitely should
3: uh should do yes. it. Uh
0: hang out, meet friends, hang, you know, meet new ones. Uh, you know, get better acquainted with old ones, et cetera. So um, yeah, Carpet Fest, Northwest Carpet Fest uh, is the group page. You can check it out for info and addresses and and as such. Uh, So there you go. Um, Let's see. Morelia Python Radio, uh, as far as what we got going on, if you like the podcast and you want to learn more, uh, check out com. If you have any questions or comments, Uh, About the show or future guests, send us an email at info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com. You can check us out on our Facebook page, just under Morelia Python Radio. Uh, Be sure to give us a like. And you can also follow us on Twitter under Morelia Python. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or whatever podcast app you have. Um, And we always ask that you help spread the word. By sharing the shows around, uh, we appreciate it, and so does the breeder that's uh, coming on to volunteer their time. Uh, so, um, the more you get the word out there, the uh, you know the better um, information we will get to people that need it. You know, uh, E.B. Morelia, mm-hmm. that's me. You can check out my website at ebmorelia.com. If you have any questions or anything of the sort, you can send it to Eric at ebmorelia.com. I have a Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, and it's all EB Morelia. Um, I have not taken really any pictures of babies for myself. Uh, like I was talking to Owen before the show, as soon as I'm done with this move um, and get everything squared away and set up, I'm going to take a whole bunch of pictures of some of the available stuff that I have. Uh, a lot of it is all head albino. Um, Most of it is tiger head albino. um, And they're really coming along nicely. um, Looking pretty good. And interestingly interestingly enough, the uh, Mm -hmm. the jag head albino stuff um, is really starting to uh, surprise me, actually. Um, They're they're turning out to be pretty interesting looking. So uh, if anything with the jags, not so much have the crazy ocelot patterns, but man, are they going to be killer yellow? Uh, you can just tell from the way they look. So, um, which makes for nicer albino jags. If that's the project that you are after, um, I believe that if you breed a sibling to the ocelot, you know, type jags or whatever you want to call it, I think that mm-hmm. you'll probably see some crazier results in that next generation.
4: So uh, oh, probably.
0: So that's what I got going on. Look forward to seeing that. Um, if you want to see some of the babies already, you can go over to my website, go to the, to the uh, 2016 breeding page and you can click on the clutch. I think I have it set up that way. You click on the clutch. You can see the babies. Um, I know, Owen and you like the one that had, the citrus tiger had albino stuff that particularly had like a star on its head or
1: something. It had like, yeah, crazy it they had this nice, had this nice reduced kind of star. Like you said, it was like a star. It was like, that was all of his head pattern. And you, uh, dude, we've picked, you and I both have picked tigers before. We know what we want and we know what to look for. And I'm just looking for that because I know what I can cross with what to make really nicely striped animals. So, don't you worry. I will get to those. Um, uh, I, I will get to those tigers. They will be mine. <laughs> so. There you go. So
0: that's all I got. I don't know what you cool. got, but uh, um, it up. what I
1: got is you, you can go to rogue dash reptiles.com. Uh, we, it is up to date on all the babies that we have for sale currently. Um, if you want if you inquire about any of them, just go ahead and follow the links in the For Babies for Sale page. Uh, if you are inquiring about lineage, we can give you a slide of the family tree of any babies that we have available or ones that you've previously purchased. Uh, the next show I have coming up is October in Tinley Park. That's it. Uh, I will be attending both the Have It a Reptile Show and the White Plains in New York Reptile Show this weekend. Uh, so if you want an animal and want to deliver, it will be delivered free of charge. Just let me know. Contact me as soon as you can. Uh, That's all I got, and, oh, yeah, stay tuned, because we already have our breeding schemes for next year figured out, and we're going to be releasing that list very soon. So that's all I have, and what we will say is we're going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night.